Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm April Justine from Designer Exotics. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in herpetoculture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events, as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on the podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Welcome to episode 20 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. We made it to 20? 20. It's it's a nice round number. And because it was episode 20, I figured I'd bring back a, a previous guest. More importantly, the number one listen to episode that we have, although it is kind of cheating because he was the first episode. But we have Yeah, he beat me. We have Joe. Joe Yes. Joe Feline. Give me a belt. Give me a belt. <laughs> he is the champion. Uh, you know how they have those like tiny little trophies? <laughs> I feel like I should send you one <laughs> so you get a trophy. <laughs> now the impressive Any accolades I will take. <laughs> the impressive thing will be is if this one climbs up to number two behind his other number one. That actually would be impressive. Yes. Because I mean, then I, it's just not beginner's luck. It's just Joe. Everybody just really likes Joe. <laughs> this is true. Joe, you're famous. We need to try to make some magic right now. We got to outdo ourselves. All right. Magic well, is happening. Last time I was in the car, so this one has That's to be true. Yeah, that is true. You were driving through bumfuck nowhere uh, in a car. I also had a different co-host at the point, so so yep. much has changed since the very first episode. <laughs> We've evolved so much. It's, it's been a very hard 20 episodes. It Lots is. Ups and downs, <laughs> overs and downs. Oh, oh my God, it has been, it's been a learning experience. It's evolved. And now Some of my here. favorite messages are James panicked late at night <laughs> trying to edit podcasts. Yeah. Well, because the worst part is you do a whole podcast and you're like, oh, that was a great podcast. And then you go to listen to it and you go, what the hell happened to my audio? Because everyone's feeling. Well, goes, everyone April, sounds, we have to redo the whole thing. I'm like, oh, my God. Because like everyone sounds good right now. All three of us sound great. But I swear to God, if I have to go edit this and it just sounds like a car is driving through my microphone the whole time, I, 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 may, I may shoot a small animal. None of mine. I'll find like a neighbor's. Oh my but, gosh, I just like I registered what you said. Jeez. I, I think that's something we frowned upon with everyone listening. Oh my goodness. I, I think I think my new neighbors would dislike that also. So let's just hope this goes well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah. how is that move going? Oh my god, it's going. It's going. It uh I've Do you have got... any tips for people on, on how to move a whole room of reptiles? Don't. <laughs> that just is don't, a good tip. Just wherever you're at right now, live there forever. <laughs> uh it's tricky. Well, like, because well, we got Joe on here, so we can talk about this a little bit. Because I know Joe went through it when he moved from Texas to Pennsylvania. I almost forgot where he was. I was just like, I was, I was stuck between Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. I'm like, so no one um, knows the differentiation between the city and the state for some reason. That always gets swapped in people's minds. That's you funny. know, Philadelphia, the state of Philadelphia. Yeah, but uh, I know Joe had an issue. You, Joe, you moved your animals in the racks, right? No, no. I always, I always take them out. So I either bag them or I put them in individual tubs, depending on kind of space. 
See, and I, I moved mine in the – well, my small racks. Like, almost saying about was I moved in the racks. But I was moving 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. I put them in the back of my dad's, like, F2, 350, I think. Uh, shows how much I know about that. How uh, many big, 50s, brother? You could have said a truck. Well, it's a big truck, though. It's not like – because I have a truck. I have a Nissan Frontier, but they're not fitting in the backseat of my Frontier because, hell, I don't fit in the backseat of my Frontier. <laughs> but I was able to put them in – Took two loads to get the four racks over here, and, and it was good. And then, like, bigger cages and a bigger rack. I, I went ahead and put those guys in bags and tubs and brought them over. And uh, your house is just a one-story, right? It is, because I'm not doing stairs. If anybody's when seen I, me, I'm not a stair California, person. When I moved from California, I paid movers, but they had to move all my racks that still had, like, all my bedding and stuff up a flight of stairs. And I'm like, thank God I paid someone to do that, because, man, <laughs> I surely didn't want to do that myself. Oh, uh, it's... It wasn't that bad, though, for me, because I've also and I've posted on our Facebook before the little tabs that I use on my racks to keep the tubs from sliding out. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and tightened every single one of those so they couldn't move. So that way the tubs couldn't open while we were coming over. Because um, I didn't want to lose a snake. Joey, did you lose, didn't you lose a snake on the drive? Yeah, I think uh, the first time when I went from New York to Colorado, I got out unscathed. But it was also a pretty small, um, pretty small amount of snakes in comparison to the second time. And the second time, because I had dropped them off at one house and then had to move again. So we moved and then moved again shortly after. So they were in deli cups for a while. So I think I, I was bound to fumble it up at, at some point. And, and a, a little hog nose got in somehow in the new house. And then I found him like two weeks later uh, in between the sink, in between the sink and the wall. So he was, he was hissing. That's how we found him. <laughs> <laughs> my, my biggest fear moving was I had three pregnant Samboas and I was like, someone's going to go into labor on the move. Yeah. I'm going to freak. And so I, that, that didn't happen. Luckily, uh, everybody made the move. Um, but I'm glad I moved. I mean, when it I, came close to happening. It came it, very huh? close. It came very close <laughs> to happening because they got moved in. When did I move them in? Two nights ago, three nights ago. And then uh, this morning I walk in and one of my Samboas did give birth, but babies, it was babies. I was, uh, that, so that was a little stress off me, um, and I'll talk about that later in a second. But we'll talk about we'll talk about babies and eggs in a minute. But uh, I had to wait till we got new flooring. I got new flooring in my snake room. It's awesome. It's like vinyl plank flooring. It looks like oak. Uh, once Are I you get coming over from like carpet or something? What do you have in your old snake room? It was like uh, it was kind of like that, but like kind of like linoleum wood flooring, uh, which is oh, that's not bad. Which wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. I, the problem with my old room is. I outgrew my old room. Uh, I just, I had too much stuff. I was getting, you know, you had a rack after rack and then suddenly you're cramped in the middle of the room and the little cart that I have my cleaning supplies on, I can no longer move around because I have no room. Uh, so this one, I'm excited. It's, it's pretty wide open. Once I get everything set up and official, I'll take pictures and I'll post them on the, on the Facebook page. But uh, this I'm one, though, excited to see it. Well, and this one also has like my all of my fishing stuff will be in here. All my tools. It's it's my room. I even put in. A, I've got a fifty-five inch flat screen TV with, you know, ooh, 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 look at you satellite TV and everything. So I can hang out in here. The only reason I have to leave is actually to go to the bathroom because I have a a fridge and a freezer in here. Your wife is never going to see you again. Never, never, never. <laughs> yeah, you're one of those man cave snake people. I know. You really make it into your own space, which is really impressive. I'm super excited about that because it's always been like, it's funny, the, the past three, including this one, the past three houses that we've lived in, two of them we rented, this one we obviously bought, 
but all three of them, it was a previous carport, obvious carport that was closed in and made part of the house. Um, and we, so I lucked out in all three houses that they had a spot where I could do this, but this one was a two car carport. So the room is just so much bigger. Um, the problem is it doesn't have a door. So I still don't have a door yet on the room. Uh, so I'm going to have to put like a, a little child gate there. So my dogs don't walk in here. But, Are you going to keep it warmer than the rest of the house? Can you, is that? No, I'm, I'm fat. No, I'm, <laughs> I, that was one problem. My, my other room was actually starting to get too warm. It was, it was reading like 85 degrees in the room. So my heating, oh, pro- my elements probably weren't even turned on. I didn't even pay attention to them. Cause I mean, most of them were set 85 or below except for the Sambo's. Uh, the problem was I also had a Euromastics in there with like a 120 degree hotspot and it was a fairly yeah. small room. It heats up the room That's pretty my well. Issue. I even have, I have a big room and my bearded dragon heat lamp or ceramic, whatever you want to call it. Um, that and actually just the UVB lights. Yeah. yeah. Those really significantly heat up the room because my house is sitting at about like 74, se- between 72 and 74, but the That's snake room is at hot. 78. I want to live at 68. I'm used to it because I used to be one of those that my room was the snake room. Yeah. And because of all the heat elements and all that stuff, it was always just warmer. So now I'm used to it being warmer. So if it drops like at 68, I get really cold. I did close. So this room has two vents. And so one side of the room has uh, like my fridge, freezer, my tools, my fish and stuff, the TV. And the other side is all reptiles. So I did close the vent on the reptile room side. Uh, to try and just keep it to not have cold air blowing straight down on them. Yeah. The the room I'm in right now is actually my bedroom has some geckos in it. And it's 81 degrees and I feel great. Screw that. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. <laughs> After working in like the colubrid room and stuff, you just, yeah, I got used to it and I kind of enjoy it for some I, sick reason. I can't do ambient. <laughs> I could never do ambient temperatures. Yeah, I listen to all these people on podcasts with ambient temperature rooms. And I'm like, I, I would never want to go in there and work. You got to strip down. <laughs> well, I have a firm rule of not being naked when handling snakes. That can, that can only go poorly. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some key, <laughs> there's some key points to cover up, but so if anybody listening, your number one rule is don't handle snakes while naked. As fun as I it say, may do seem. what you want. Take, uh, <laughs> take your chances, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, just I don't, prefer not to be fully naked. Yet. Just if you get bit, don't post the video for multiple reasons. But, oh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this room. As soon as I can get it all set up. Right now, I just have a bunch of stuff like piled in the middle of the room. Because uh, I still got to get all my racks, all my cages are set up. I just got to get other stuff because y'all know i mean you end up with like tubs of water bowls and because i do shows i've got my tub that's full of all my show stuff and i've got my display and i've got to get that put up on shelves and that just takes time and i've got a show this weekend so i'm getting it all here and then tomorrow i leave at noon to go to conroe texas for the herp show and then i finally get back on sunday night i'm not gonna do crap sunday night so hopefully monday the timing of your show and your move would just like stress me out. Like I, that's too much. It's a lot. It's a lot. I'll but be up late tonight. I also know that you are super excited about going back to a show. Oh God. I'm so ready for a show. <laughs> so yeah, that's in my listening. I plan on re- actually putting this out earlier than usual. I'm going to probably put it out on Friday just so that if anybody's listening and driving to the show, there's an extra podcast you can listen to. 
Uh, but we're recording it on Thursday because I'll be at a show all weekend. And it's been so long since I've seen one, like the, the Herb shows, all those people are my friends. And it's been so long since I've seen them. I haven't seen them since I saw you guys, which was yeah. New Orleans. That was the last time I saw them. That was right before it all happened when we were at ground zero, apparently. <laughs> That's true, huh? That was, yeah. Yeah. That was a week after yes. Ground Zero, actually. Yeah, that was the time it had to, like, once people could actually get it and start spreading it to us. We were there. <laughs> we were there and we survived. We, we didn't die. Well, I survived. I don't know about you all, but I did not get sick. <laughs> I did not get sick. I'm, I think I'm still alive. I did, I did see my parents probably a week after that, maybe three or four days after, and they tested positive. Really? Way, way to go. Me, but, way to know, go. You're an outbreak monkey. Yeah. You never know. I don't, do people still get the reference to the Outbreak Monkey? Like, I don't know how many people have actually seen the movie Outbreak anymore. Have yeah, you all seen no. it? Well, since uh, it, it came up on Netflix, I think, once the pandemic hit. Like they Did it really? It. Yeah, they started pushing <laughs> it on Netflix. So I, That's they, messed I think up. a good amount of people have seen it at this point. That's messed up. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. I almost rewatched it. but No, I saw an article about monkeys in India. I think it's India stealing vials of blood that had coronavirus and so, and I, I like, saw that too i didn't know if that was fake news or not but i definitely saw I know, that too i know I, so I read i read the article more than just the headline and, and, and from what i understand someone was carrying i guess like a box with all the blood samples in it across the campus of wherever and the monkeys came out and grabbed it eventually they recovered the box and none of the vials were uh opened or anything but i was like that's also, how it happens they must if this is a lab, they must take vials of blood then all the time and know that there's monkeys there. I don't know. That doesn't seem like a likely story. It seems like they'd be pretty careful. You would think, but this is also, I mean, you don't know what kind of lab it is. How dare you? How dare you have death? <laughs> so I, I saw that article. I was like, that's. These are men of science, damn it. Well. Responsible men of science. Yes. Hey, they could be women of science. People could be offended by what you just said. I meant like like humankind, <laughs> like humans. Uh, you gotta be careful <laughs> in like the biblical Hugh, sense, you know. Hugh Womans, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh Hefner's. I don't. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh goodness! Let's talk about eggs. Eggs. You don't have a lot to talk about when it comes to I just realized I'm like you have nothing. Okay, I want to tell the story of my eggs. Can I? Can I go on? This what, this might take a little bit. What is sounds very what, personal. What are these things you call eggs? Gosh, Joe. <laughs> sorry, well, I know that was loud. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so I have been breeding short tails for four seasons now. The first season was in California, and I used the uh, perlite with the light diffuser, and I had absolutely no issues. Everything was perfect. I didn't lose an egg. All right? And then you changed then, everything. No. The next year, it was in the middle of a move, so it's actually the Borneo pairing that I repeated this year. Um, but because I was in the middle of the move, I sent the eggs over to Terrell and that messed them all up and they all died. So that was a wash. That season sucked. Then next season, which was last year, you sent them I over put, to him while in, you didn't mail them to there. You were in California. I was, no, them. I was in California and it was like a 45 minute drive. Gotcha. So I like had the boxes and sent them over, you know, like took them to him or he came to me. I don't remember, but imagine putting them in an overnight. 
Imagine like you split a clutch with someone. You, like, oh my gosh. Like you pack them real tight so they don't roll or anything like that. Yeah, that box is going to get thrown all over the place. Yeah, yeah. FedEx is definitely reading those arrows and never, never turning it or anything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyone does it, let me know how that goes. Um, didn't back please, in the day no, they used no, to do please, that? No, please don't do that. Nobody. I have an idea. <laughs> didn't back in the day people used to send like clutches of eggs? Or am I like totally just pulling that out of my butt? Probably in like a padded envelope or something. Look, or in, the, some in, the, gecko eggs. in the 70s or 80s, anything is possible. This is true. And that's that's what I'm talking about like way a long time Well, look, ago. I remember, and I guess some people, I haven't seen it in a long time, but people used to bring eggs to shows and let them hatch yeah. at the show. Yeah. And I always thought, well, this is the dumbest thing. And like, I'm sure you could sell that at shows, be like, your own egg and watch it hatch and you know God. give them a, they were like hatching stage egg. Like at, i was at daytona at, and i watched them hatch i watched ball pythons hatch out at daytona i remember like in like 2005 yeah. 2006. i watched uh burmese pythons i think and some ball pythons hatching it's pretty cool honestly i don't i'm not saying like this is a good idea and i'm not giving it a stamp of approval whatsoever but as a beginner keeper, when I first went to my very first show, that was when I saw that. And that was really cool for me then. Before you Because knew I was very new to everything and I've never seen it before. So that was really cool to see. But just but think, I, I think it's it really seems stressful like for it's the animals. An, yeah, it's an unnecessary risk. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, um, back to your... Yeah. All right, anyway. So third season. So, yes, third season, which was last year. I was in Memphis. It was my first year um, breeding in Memphis. So even with moving all the animals, they still bred for me. Uh, I had three clutches. Yes, I had. Yes, I'll just leave it at that. I had three clutches and I put them on the, the same thing. The perlite with the light diffuser, nothing changed. I had, you know, the water ratio was the same. The incubation temperature, everything was the same. Within a week, I got nasty blue mold and maggots. So I'm like, how the heck did a, like, a fly get in there? But nonetheless, maggots, maggots covered them. And about two-thirds of the eggs within the first two weeks were gone from every single clutch that I had. Mind you, I got really lucky with odds. That's uh, The T-negative 007 came from that situation. You got two of them, right? I had three of them, actually. Three, One, oh, still wow. for sale, by the way. But yeah, I, I, hit the, I hit the odds, man. I really did. So I was super excited about that. Um, I kept so many of those animals back because I, I breed because I want those genetics and I happen to get those genetics. So I kept them. Um, but anyway, I did not want to have a repeat of that season. So I asked, you know, breeders that I really respect. I'm like, you know, this is a situation. I do not know what I did wrong. You know, so I went and I got a sterile perlite this time. So I'm like, okay, sterile perlite. Shouldn't have any issues because I, I figured, if, if anything, the mold was going to come from the perlite itself. The same freaking thing happened with my Borneo clutch, which was a repeat pairing of the one that all died when I moved originally. So I, re I really want to see that like come to fruition. And here I get the mold again. So I split the clutches uh, because there's just so many eggs. And I split like uh, five in one and then six in another. So the one that had six instantly molded and look like crap. Um, if you guys saw, I posted uh, possibly on my Instagram. They look like absolute trash. And so I'm like, all right, I'm not going to just wait it out this time. And so I talked to um, every single, I did like a, a big general post in like the blood breeder group that we have and said, okay, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. What can I do to fix this? And all of them said, switch from perlite to vermiculite. 
all of them, vermiculite, 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 candle the eggs, make sure they're good. So, so no light I, diffuser or just switching the... Just straight up vermiculite and bury them like halfway in the vermiculite. Gotcha. So I'm like, all right, I'll go ahead and do that. So I switched all the Borneo eggs, even the moldy ones, put them in there. And then I had to go on a two-week trip for work. And when I came back, those six eggs that were ugly looking were even uglier looking. <laughs> they had about um, a radius of maybe a half inch all the way around each one of them of just straight like fuzzy white mold. So I went ahead. I'm like, all right, those are going to be gone. So I just trashed those ones. But the five that stayed that didn't have any mold on them are still looking good. The um, I had a blood clutch of nine eggs. Those eggs are looking absolutely amazing. And they went straight into the vermiculite. And they're huge eggs. These babies are going to be massive. I'm very excited. Um, and then I had my Sumatran. She laid 15 eggs, and all of those look perfect as well. So I am very excited that I think the mold situation is gone. My eggs are going to be great, and I'm just really flipping excited about it. So you know what I find funny about all of that? It's just, just eggs in general. I, I have tried eggs before. I had corn snake eggs, and I had mold issues and things died. I think I hatched maybe two total. Is this uh, where you're going to tell us that boas are better? Well, no, they are. <laughs> the but live bearing is better? They are, but that's a completely different situation. Hmm, uh, okay. No, what I find interesting is how we try to keep eggs so sterile in incubation but still have mold. And these damn things are laying them in mud in the wild and dirt holes and all that, and hatching. No problem. Yet know, we have entire, entire clutches on pristine vermiculite on top of an egg diffuser. Nothing in there touching them. And they grow mold and die. I don't. Well, you're seeing that some people are really experimenting with things like springtails in their in their incubation um, during incubation. Oh, that makes so, sense. That's because they good. they eat the mold. Yeah. Um, I haven't what done it personally. What species were they working with when they did that? Because I haven't seen that actually. Oh man, I, I forget who it was to be honest. Um, okay. I want to say it may have even been like a green tree guy, like maybe Ian Bissell or something like that. I may okay. be completely wrong. Um, but I did see someone doing it probably last year. That makes a lot of sense. That actually is a pretty good idea. Maybe or, I should do that. I mean, I, I right now I'm incubating on cocoa husk, so I could definitely make that work. You could. I mean, I, I maybe do it with. That's going to sound bad for my listening, but less important eggs, just a couple of them. Yeah, and, and no, I mean that's exactly. Honestly, I mean people should know that, and that's that sounds shitty, but yeah, that's exactly yeah. how you experiment. You have uh, to you have to do your non-essential questions. But the thing about that is, as much as we're into bioactive now, if that happens to be the key, if that's the thing from now on that stops eggs from molding by just eating the mold and not letting it mold, imagine how many babies can be saved incubating eggs by just throwing springtails. I mean, you can find springtails at any expo. I'm taking some tomorrow when I go to sell this weekend. You can go on PortCityPet.com. That is true. <laughs> <Port City Pet>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like six bucks, guys. Come on, get, try. get you some, incubate your eggs, and don't worry. Okay, I don't want to say that yet because we don't know. But yeah. once we know, <laughs> yeah. once they we completely <laughs> fail. <laughs> Hell, they may, eat a, they may eat a giant hole in the egg. I have no clue. Uh, nah, they're tiny little arthropods that only eat mold. So uh, mostly you're going to be okay. I mean, it's theoretically, right? In your mind, yeah. this works. But that could, I mean, that could be really interesting. All right, I'll pour them in. Yeah, you've got to try that and, and, and keep an eye on I mean, because hmm. I, I have some clutches that literally have mold in them right now. They, it hasn't spread to the eggs because it just seems as though, like, when my eggs are healthy enough, they're not going to, uh, for whatever reason, the mold isn't going to spread onto them. Um, I'd, be, 
I'd be very interested to see if it could save an egg. You know, like when you have those eggs, and you had them, April, the ones that look like they could make it, but they end up growing mold really quick. Were they going to die anyways? Or See, I don't think mine were because when they hatched out, they looked immaculate. Now, mind you, I didn't candle them, so I can't 100% with certainty, but I'm pretty freaking sure that they all were immaculate. So just to think, if it, a cheap thing like isopods could save, you know, an egg that starts to go. You dump isopods, oh, no, oh, no, isopods, the springtails. You dump them in there, and boom. So that's yeah. Isopods are probably most they, likely eat your well, especially dairy cows. <laughs> like dairy dairy, dairy cows will eat everything. My yeah, dairy cows would, love skin. Love that. Uh, so, congrats on your eggs. I'm glad. I mean, you say those eggs are enormous, but. Have you seen a pine snake egg? I haven't, so I can't say. Imagine, um, a, imagine a dollar bill, but an egg. It's honestly the ones that I have are probably like seventy-five percent of a dollar bill. Really, that's a that's a big ass egg. It, it was it it impressed me when I opened up. I was like, wow, that's really big. You have pine snake eggs right now, right? Jeff? Yes. I'm so surprised you guys did not take the bait on that. I was really <laughs> I, I usually leave that to James, but I just left that. Um, I I had already had it in my head I was gonna ask Joe about the pine snake eggs and so I was like, nah, I'm and I know the length of a pine snake egg and it's like a yeah. It's like a it's a good solid six to eight inches. That's what three, it's that's what he said. Are you like are we not even kidding here? Like seriously, are they really that big? They are. They're a dollar yeah. bill. A dollar bill is six inches. Oh a pine snake egg is easily as long as a dollar. That's why they come out like a foot and a half. I mean, they come out massive. They come out eating, you know, young adult mice. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, it's, well, that's also the reason that they have the huge downfall because they're, not all pine snakes do that. The Louisiana pine snake evolved to lay these gigantic eggs. Um, but the problem is you're only laying four. You know, a, a good, a decent clutch is four. And... The thing is, you lay them, they get their hatch, they come out big, there's a better chance of survival. But where corn snakes play that game of, oh, yeah, I'll beat that. I'm going to have 30. I'm going to throw 30 out there, and somebody's got to make it. And that that method seems to be working better when you average in loss of habitat and humans killing them and all that. And so that's really what's screwing over pine snakes is they've evolved this method of having babies that do have a better chance of survival when hatched. But the problem is they're – they're not being able to breed or hatch. So And then their their habitat's so fragmented, it's also not allowing things like pocket gophers to, yeah. to thrive in their habitat. And like, you know, the the understory needs to be burned all the time so that um predators can pick off certain certain animals that compete with them and stuff like that. So there's uh basically the whole ecology's shifted and thrown off and therefore it doesn't work as well but for for a snake that's underground i mean well over 70 percent of its life um they're not going to be eating as many lizards and stuff as your corn snakes that can be semi-arboreal and they can kind of get around um so these guys need to be eating like those pocket covers right off the bat well and they're really cool because they're the they're one of the snakes that's a nest raider you know they go down in that hole and they eat every fucking gopher in that hole and then they just hang out I mean, yeah, I, I think people always always see uh, colubrids, any colubrid, as a constrictor, and these guys aren't constrictors. They're they're they they take one mouse or one pocket gopher in their mouth, 
and then they shove the rest against the wall and crush them and kill them that way and then eat them one by one. When you feed yours, does yours come out, grab it, and then yank it all the way to the back of the tub? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, <laughs> so it's weird. Because so like my corn snakes, they'll sometimes come out, grab a mouse, and fall out of the tub, and I have to catch them. But my pine say, you know, he's going to grab it and jerk back to the back of the tub. I've done uh, a couple times. I've You know, sometimes I'll feed on medium rat. Uh, just one big meal might have lasted them, you know, for a month, month and a half. But uh, I have done where I throw in like a handful of adult mice. And like, this is kind of more natural. Here's a handful of adult mice and he'll go through and eat every single one of them. Um, oh, yeah. And they'd make pretty fast work of things. Oh, yeah. He's quick. But I love, I love, I love those guys. So how many eggs do you have right now? Two, three? Four. Four? So that's a good clutch. Yeah. Yeah. So, so last, last year I got, Three eggs, two fertile, one infertile. This year I got four fertile eggs, so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and so for like anybody listening, four, like I said, four is good. Four to six is a really good clutch for them. Now, I did have – my buddy did have one time a clutch of 11, which I was like, that's insane. And but, most people kind of tiss tiss in the Louisiana pine snake or pine snake community in general. If you if you have a Ruth and I go over eight, that's when they say that there's, you know, no shot. But then again, we've had plenty of people at this point who were pretty confident have pure animals who have had oh, yeah, big clutches. It just may be, you know, we're feeding them a lot more in captivity or something like that. But yeah, I can guarantee I can guarantee that all of his are pure Louisiana pines because before they were say you know, protected and all, he collected them and he can tell you exactly where he went and collected them. So, but yeah, when he told me 11, I was like, that's, that's crazy. He's got, uh, he's got some eggs right now. I don't know how many he has, but a friend of mine went over there and told me he's got eggs right now, but I need to get a female at some point and breed them. Although then I'm sure wildlife fisheries will show up to my house even more. I am getting, I am getting, um, uh, what is the other bloodline? Um, the uh, LASIK line actually, um, yeah, yeah. from, from Zach Lofman from from Western Liberty, so he has he has a pair of animals that Jennifer Joseph gave him of Ruth and I, and uh, I have the Vanny Venter line, so we're actually going to we're going to trade out. So I'll get some new blood for I'll get a new male, and he'll get a new male. See, what's funny is if if I pick up any other pine, losing a pine snake from any other breeder, I can pretty much guarantee it's a different bloodline than mine. Well, Just, yeah, and I need to get that Theron line as well. Yeah. It, he had a, a a young adult. He walked in the other day. It was just dead. Adult female. No idea why. But it's one of those freak things that, you know, in snakes, you'll walk in one day. And I've had it before. I've had snakes just, you walk in, and they're just dead for, for no obvious reason. Obviously, something killed it. Something internal, whatever. But I think if you keep enough snakes, you, that happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, think about, you know, fatal heart attacks, fatal strokes, things like that. Yeah, no one thinks of that stuff when you think of snakes. You know, they don't always think, you know, you don't think of the things that normally affect other animals, humans and stuff like that, but it, it happens. I mean, they have similar organs. They have hearts. They have lungs. I mean, they have – stuff's going to fail. But, like, rightfully so, I think the first thing you have to do is examine yourself and your husbandry and all that. Yes. And rule that stuff out. Yeah, double-check temps. Make sure that, you know. Everything was good there. Make sure that you, I mean, if you've been feeding it, it has water. But Yeah. After that, I mean, shit happens. Yeah. It's, I, I had a male Sambo for a long time. And then one day I walked in, he was just dead. No idea why. 
He's in Iraq with the rest of my Samboas. They were all fine. I don't know. That, that one killed me. I'd had him for such a long. He's the one that I lost for like three months and then found. And then he, I mean, he didn't die right after that. He died years after that. But anyways, enough with dead snakes. So you had the eggs, uh, April. Yeah. That's awesome. I yep. had. Super excited. Like I said earlier, I had a, a second litter of Samboas born this morning. And that one was fun because it, uh, it proved out this female to be het annery. I didn't know she was het annery. Uh, I got annery babies. And so I got little black and white babies and little orange. So how many babies. annery babies do you have now? Uh, well, let's see. She was het. He was an annery. So technically it should have been 50%. Um, the, the last litter was all normals. They were all het annerys. This, oh, okay. this litter should have been 50%. She had 23 live when I found her. 23, not annery, 23 live babies in general. Uh, I ended up finding four stillborns. This is the first time, actually, I've, I've witnessed, and I spooked her so she didn't finish it, but she was eating a stillborn. Uh, in boas, uh, they'll eat their st- – and people don't realize, especially if you're just used to, like, eggs and stuff, they will eat the stillborns because it's a good way to replenish all the stuff they just lost by giving birth to babies. It gives them all that, and they don't go to waste. But I did spook her, and she spit it back up. But I found four. There's no telling whether she had more stillborns. She could have eaten some more before I got to her. Uh, but that would have been 27 babies. She had 23 live. And uh, it was 13 annery and 10 normal, so even great odds. Plus, out of the babies, I think it was three stillborn anneries and one normal. So, really good Very odds. cool. I'm super excited. Luckily, I am doing the show this weekend, and our buddy and listener, and he listens to Joe because I've seen him in the chats and comment on Joe's, uh, Robert Powers has started a rack company, and I am buying a new baby rack from him that I'm picking up in Conroe, which is good because I've got 23 babies that need a new home. So, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know he was starting a, a rack company. Yeah. He, uh, he's making me one of those uh, vision racks that hold the V15, 18s, and the uh, 35 S's with the like molded in water bowls. Right? No, no, no. Tub? no, I just do the regular, the flat tub, just plain tub. Um, and it kind of, his, his racks come in with heat, the inlaid heat in the back of it. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it cause I've only ever gotten sea serpents. And I love my sea serpents racks, but I knew Robert's a listener and you know, I've talked to him before. I've met him at Conroe before cause he comes to that show and I, I'd love to see, you know, what he does. So I'm gonna get a rack from him. And uh, and then everybody else will hear about it once I once I get here and get it set up. So that was exciting. Did you guys see the snake discovery video where her hog nose was eating some of her eggs? I didn't watch it. I didn't get a chance to watch it. This whole move has really screwed up anything I do. I, I mean, had really, that, that happened to me. Did you tell us yeah. about it? Um, so I bred together my hog nose, and basically, I mean, long story short, I saw her starting to lay. I closed, I closed the bin and then I came back the next day and then everything was gone. She I mean, all of them? Yeah. I mean, there's not <gasps> much to say. I mean, yeah, she just ate all of her eggs. Do you think oh they were bad? Do you think they were bad eggs? Maybe. I want to say that that's going to be the case. Most of the time is that she knows that they are infertile and therefore she's getting, you know, that protein back, putting a little bit of energy, more, more energy back because that, that male had failed the year before. And I had seen him trying, but I hadn't really seen him lock. And the first few eggs that came out, I was kind of like iffy on the border about. Um, it's, it could be hard with some colubrid eggs. There can be some like 
completely under calcified eggs that are actually fertile. You kind of got to wait a couple of days to figure out. Um, but some are very obvious off the bat and those ones were kind of in between. So, um, but as I kind of figured they were on the infertile side since she ate them all. And that's very similar to the boas eating stillborns, you know, the snakes. Yeah. Know. That's what made me think about it. Cause you mentioning that, but the eggs that like she kind of caught it in the act and she thinks that it ate about five or six eggs, I believe. Um, and one was just deflated and just kind of had goop. And I mean, the outside of the egg looked really good. I mean, maybe it was bad, but she caught it. <laughs> so she still had a good amount of eggs left over. Did she, that, uh, did she candle any of the eggs left over to see if they're good eggs? And not in the video that I remember. I watched it like a week ago, so I'm, I can't fully I'd, remember. I'd be interested to see if, if yeah. the rest of those eggs are good eggs or if maybe it was a whole thing of just, I mean, cause they could come out looking good and still be infertile. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she'll update us you yeah. know, as the incubation goes through. So. I'm interested in that clutch, and I'm so interested in the Dave Kaufman one that was surgically removed from yes. the pool site. Yes, so. definitely. And then um, another YouTube video that I will be honest, I didn't watch the whole video. Loser. Um, but it's <laughs> – you didn't either, so it's fine. I know you don't even know that this video exists. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> It's um Rob Christian. His YouTube is Creeping It Real with Rob. And he did an experiment with a Borneo clutch and a uh, IJ clutch as well as I think a blood clutch. But so far only the Borneos have um, have hatched. And he was doing at the end of incubation, raising the temperature and see if that uh, does any color enhancement in snakes because in leopard geckos, that is a thing. Uh, once they determine the sex in the first, I think, some odd weeks, um, once that sex is determined, you can go ahead and up the incubation temperature and it brings out better color for the leopard geckos. That seems like uh, cheating, though. So he did that. And if you look at the picture that he has posted or go onto that video, there is a distinct difference in color. One has a lot more brown. The, uh, the marble effect is a lot deeper. And the other one, it almost, have you ever had uh, a clutch that started hatching a little bit too early and they just didn't have that, that full color saturation? Coloration, but then, yes. yeah, but then like a couple sheds later, it's fine. That's yeah, kind of what I, it reminds me of, that they're kind of like faded looking, but they'll probably catch up. In that's how Sambo's are born. Sambo's are born pretty pale. Like you don't have that orange. So like looking when you look at a regular litter of Sambo, sometimes you're like, are these anneries? But it's not until you put them next to a newborn annery baby, you go, oh, no, no, okay, they look different. But they're almost like a, a light peach color, almost like flesh tone color in what's going to be orange. And then after about a week and a first shed, they start to orange up some, but yeah, they come out looking pretty pale. Yes. I, I'm curious if the ones that are more pale looking are going to catch up through the sheds and, and then, you know, in a year or two, they're going to look the same or if there actually is going to be a difference in, in color as an adult. But, and I feel like we're, we're onto something with this orange because a males in particular, which are predominantly orange and corn snakes, those come out oftentimes, uh, especially if they're a little bit premature are like basically white. Mm-hmm. and then they'll yep. turn orange maybe erythrin just takes longer to develop that's like the last stage of development or something like that yeah know. maybe melanin happens first what's up like, travis let me know he'll listen to this and then <laughs> our, he'll text me our, our, our <laughs> geneticist on call uh yeah because like anery babies come out black and white like you can 
you can definitely tell the black. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the orange on on a baby sample because as I was going through this pot, it was very hard with the stillborns trying to figure out is this stillborn an anery or is this uh, just a really really light baby. Um, yeah, I do wonder if the, maybe the erythrin develops after melanin. I, don't know. I just realized too that that video he has is actually unlisted, so it's no wonder you would you guys never would have seen it because <laughs> we got a direct link to it. So, so fancy, sorry fancy. for false advertising because you won't be able to see it unless you got the direct link for it. Nanny, but I'm nanny, sure nanny, if boo, you have boo. conversation with Rob, he's probably exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. more than happy to let you in <laughs> on that. <laughs> I, uh, I I watched. Let's see, I didn't watch a lot of YouTube. I. I was busy moving. I did watch. I, go ahead. I, I did a little research on this springtail incubation thing going on. Okay. Dang, that fast? Man, God, eat that. Okay. <laughs> Joe, so, work, Joe works hard. Joe and Justin are the two hardest working people in very good at multitasking as well. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm used to pulling things up during the show, but apparently, so I've been looking about incubating eggs, and apparently people who work with these things called phasmids, and listen, if I'm, I'm can definitely be saying that wrong, but basically like stick insects and stick bugs, walking sticks and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, apparently when they incubate their eggs, they use springtails to keep mold off of them. And the person who did it in snakes was actually Garrett Hartle. He's the oh, one who is okay. experimenting with Well, he doesn't know much anyways. Forget that. <laughs> so uh, sorry, Garrett. I, I forgot. I don't know. I don't know why I attributed it to Ian. Maybe Ian did it too. But Maybe Ian copied Garrett. Ooh. Now he we're was, all going to copy Garrett. If you hear my cat purring, please let me know and I will dismiss her. <laughs> that's creepy. That was not my cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, it's my cat. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So. This uh, is going in a weird direction. It's, I don't know what you where you guys were bringing that, but. <laughs> I don't know either. I'm I'm disturbed on many levels. so so the one video i did watch i did watch uh wiccan's wicked reptiles video this week on uh large constrictors and i'm blanking on what the actual title of it was and i'll bring that up in a second but basically it was the the issues with owning large not not saying you shouldn't own large constrictors but just the things you need to think about if you're thinking about owning when we say large i guess that's a relative term because i always tell people like non-snake people i don't have big snakes and like yeah my biggest one's like six and a half foot and they go that sounds huge i'm like not really it's really not that big um but we're talking like the giants you know retics berms anybody crazy enough to own an african rock python uh anacondas no one owns indian pythons so i don't even know why people talk about those like i don't, I don't know how many of those are actually yourself yeah <laughs> You have an Indian python? I'd love to see that. <laughs> no, no, but they're out there. How, how many do you think are really in private collections? Not outside, like zoos. I've seen them in zoos, but no one's really breeding them in private collections. At least not that I've heard of. Aren't there some hybrids out there? Yes. That's yeah. horrible. Well, I'm no. Sure, I'm sure in the wild they do it anyways. They had to for whatever, I don't know, for some reason. But yeah, there's there's definitely some hybrid. I think they're, they're Afrox and Indians. Oh, screw that. Um, African. But the uh, video is, do big reptiles make bad pets? I just pulled it up. I was going to say it. You ruined my thunder. <laughs> I ruined your fun. <laughs> so, but things that, that, that – and it tied into uh, one thing that got brought up this week about stuff and that we kind of skipped past, you know, when people give us the stuff on our Facebook page about what they want us to talk about. But um, 
I think it was yeah, Lance posted the Reptile and Chill podcast from this past week where they talked about owning large constrictors and it kind of all tied in together the things you have to think about. And we've talked about it before, but you know, everything is is more when you're dealing with big snakes. You know, if you're used to dealing with a ball python or a bow constrictor and that seems easy to you, it's going to be a lot more when you're dealing with it at 15 foot. You know? More poop, more food, more housing, more, more dangerous. people. <laughs> you need more people to handle it if you want to do it safely. You know, people always go, oh, I can handle my eight foot boa. That's great. That's not a 15 foot berm or a 15 foot retic. Like people always want to compare apples to oranges and act like they're comparing apples to apples. Uh, I've heard some people say too, um, they, well, some people have a rule of six where if it's over six feet, you need more than one person, like one person per yeah. six foot. Yeah. I'm usually eight foot. Just got, I'm bigger and I can like my, my eight foot boa when she was a little over eight and I didn't handle her without my wife home. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that she was home. But so the video is in on Adam's thing. He talks about uh, food. You know, it's going to cost more to feed. You think about, uh, your ball python, that rat, if you're ordering frozen, costs you what, $1.25 for that rat. And then if you're talking a 15, 16, 17-foot retic, you're going up to things like 10-pound rabbits. Granted, and the availability is completely different, and you may have to go to a different source to get your rodents and your rabbits. And yeah. It's, it's a whole different undertaking. I mean, some people go to, like, butcher shops and get, like, baby pigs. They get young pigs uh, for really big retics and berms. And so that's not always easy, especially for, you know, you think about it, the three of us, and especially the two of y'all, live in very populated areas, areas where you can get stuff if needed. Yep. Um, but think about somebody in the middle of, like, Montana. It's going to be a little hard to find what you need for a 15-foot retake unless you're raising chickens or something. I'd say not necessarily because you have a lot of farmland out there. I would You'd think there'd be someone. I don't know. Yeah, it's like even here, if you think about like central PA, um, I know Owen will go out and he'll get some chicks and stuff from like Lancaster and all that, you know, the Amish areas and you can get some nice chicks. And depending on where you are, I think uh, you may have some different things and uh, you may be surprised at what you're, what you're able to, to get. Yeah. So that's one thing. Food, food is, is definitely an issue. And people, people always go, well, you don't have to feed it that often when they get big. That's true, but you still got to feed it. Sometimes. I feed mine every two weeks, and it's ten bucks for every feeding Jeez, for one damn. of my large snakes. What yeah. are you feeding? Just rabbits, and I know I know that's overpriced, but that's, that's my overpriced. availability that I have. Although I can't say so, that I used to get rabbits for free, so I don't actually know what a rabbit would normally cost. I was just getting like the rabbits that didn't that weren't show quality. So. I mean, my snakes are happy, and they've gotten since I switched them over. Because if you guys have listened for a while, you know that. I have fed my big snakes, my retic and my berm rats, basically their whole entire lives. They're about uh, four years old and they're huge. Uh, but I think rats have more, the bigger rats have more fat content in them. So yeah. I switched over to rabbits. So I was spending like four bucks a meal and then, or maybe five or six, but moving all the way up to 10, but I think it's a lot leaner and they already had like two sheds and it's only been maybe three feedings for rabbits so far. So I think that, just based on their shed cycles and their body tone in general, that the rabbits are doing good. Yeah. It's, that's well, the, my other problem is like when it comes to snakes and I've talked about before, it's kind of an addictive personality. I, I, I like to collect, that's why I collect the Sambo is 
I can't do that with retakes. You know, I know people do, but once you get past like really one, but like two or three, that's it starts to become a lot. Just it, I want it, one more, but I've wanted it for six years now, and I'm just like waiting <laughs> and waiting until the the opportune moment, and when I can get another eight foot cage. Do you a, want a cow or something like that? No, I actually don't. I want um, a motley golden child. Uh, the really, like the really one. dark black ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's another thing. Talk about the caging. That's that's another thing. You know, a lot of people. You know, the average cage when we're talking boas or like a big ball python is the four by two cage. Everybody makes a four by two, uh, and you can get them. I mean, you can order from Animal Plastics. You'll get it a year later, but you could order it. Uh, you can get them fairly inexpensive. But when you're talking an eight foot cage, those are expensive cages. How much? I just, I I just ordered one. Did you? How much did yours cost? Just curious. Don't tell us who it's from. Um, so, or tell ooh, us who it's from. I want to. I want to look. I want to look on the message actually. Who? So I know exactly. Who's it from? Ooh, I think so, mine was about nine hundred bucks. Jesus. So I'm. I I'm think. talking. Well, mine was cheaper than that. Um, <laughs> I was talking <laughs> a lot cheaper. Um, so I've been talking to two different people with building my cages because I want to move my collection to mostly cages, if not all cages at some point. So the person who is building my smaller, my smaller cages uh, is going to be the focus cubed Ashley. Those are cool. And yeah. That's and the really colorful ones, make right? Like a more basic one that I can, that we can just pump out more of. So at a cheaper price. So that's what I'm looking for on that. I'm not going to get like ones with bells and whistles, really. And then the one that's very have, colorful, and they have like the splatter yeah. paint look, and sometimes and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. I have a couple of those, and then um, the person who's building, and because he's local, and like Ashley could have built something eight feet and, and send it out to me, but um, Chris Foley, and, and he's actually going to come and and deliver it to to my place at so, some point here. I'm trying to remember your collection. What are you putting in an eight foot? Olive python. Okay, that's what. Okay, that's what I figured. That's a that's a big ass olive python cage. Well, they well, get they get big. The, I know, I know, <laughs> but normally, because no one's putting olive python. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's awesome. But normally, someone's not suggesting an eight foot cage for an olive python. Well, let's. You kind of got to take it from an outsider's perspective. Like, think about it actually logically, and not just what's imprinted on us for you know our keeping careers here. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a twelve foot snake. Um, I mean, I think eight feet is at least needed. I mean, I would love to have something to where my snake could actually stretch out the length of it. I don't think that that's too much to ask for, and I think that's why. I don't know it sketches me out the the whole big python thing. Um, I don't know how I feel about like wall to wall six foot cages for a bunch of sixteen foot retics. I agree because I would say a six foot cage is what a normal person would normally say if you're going to do an olive python a six foot cage. I think an yeah, that's cage- a standard, and no one questions it. You just say that. That's I don't know. How deep is the cage? It's arbitrary. Um, eight by two by two. Okay. Oh, so you're not doing a three foot deep though. So I guess you're not doing a berm. They don't really have to be. They're a thin body. Olives are a thin bodied snake. Relative. relative I just needed body. something I could fit in in my space. <laughs> yeah. Right, is he building it in two four foot sections and then attaching? 
Dude, I'm just, hey, man, <laughs> build me this cage. <laughs> have you have it show of, up. Have you thought about how you're going to move it from one location to the other? I had to move mine through the window because it was already this? assembled and sealed. I've already, so I already have an eight foot here that I built myself. So I've already moved things around and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be good. Okay. What's in your, what's in your current eight foot? Nothing. So I think I may what? actually, it was originally going to be, uh, it was originally going to be the olive python, but after just talking to so many people and realizing that, I mean, PVC is just going to kind of last forever. I need to, you know, obviously not really forever, but it's going to last a lot longer than a wood cage, even though I've seen some wood cages that are done pretty well last a long time. Um, I don't know. I just, I want to get as many legit cages as possible. And Chris hit me up at the right time. So that's pretty much how that happened. I may, I may put a divider right down and make it two four foots and, uh, and maybe put some, uh, maybe put some pine snakes or, who knows? Actually, probably put my carpet in my water python or something like that. That's cool. I, I, I don't think I'll ever own an eight-foot cage, but I don't ever plan on owning anything over seven foot. I did want a berm or a retake at one point, but I just re- I, realistically, that's a lot of snake. I want a Papuan python really badly. Um, I know now is not the right time for that, so I'm kind of – it sounds morbid, but I have a bearded dragon in a four by two, and then I have a jungle carpet diamond mix in the other four by two. So, if those snakes were to uh, pass, and one snake, what am I saying? The snake and the lizard, if they were to pass, I would like to replace that with an eight foot cage and get a pop one. They um, are both from Australia. Hashtag cohab. Yeah, but in one cage. I don't, actually, no, I couldn't. Hey, man, you would definitely have one animal left. Yeah, well, my bearded dragon is actually very vicious towards snakes and probably could do some <laughs> damage. <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> he does, like, the head bob and, like, attacks the glass. If I put a snake down, like, anywhere in the snake room floor, he sees it, and he just goes crazy. Here, I thought I was going to get this, like, Like, going after it? Not, like, yeah. running away? If, if I was to open up the, the glass, the sliding glass door, I really think that he would just launch out and try to attack it. Wait, now, I don't... What, he what's, would probably what species get, are we talking about? A bearded dragon. I have a vicious bearded dragon. I have He's one. He's fit, too. He's no, not, I, like, fat. He's the only one. bearded. The only bearded we ever paid for was like that. Yeah. yeah. I forget what it was. It was some sort of red, whatever, but... It's the only one I've ever bought, and it was the only one I could not hold. He tried to mate with my foot like a month ago. <laughs> did I tell you guys that? <laughs> you did tell me that. I did that. <laughs> he like bit my. So he's not. My, he's not angry. He's just horny. <laughs> Maybe that's it. He like bit my the, the end little... of my pants and wouldn't let go of me. And then there was like liquid on the floor. I'm like, oh, oh. god, what just happened? I Get him a little violated. stuff. He needs a stuffed bearded dragon in his cage. So when he's right. has alone time, you're right. Maybe he'll calm down. He's just Maybe. frustrated. That's all it is. Maybe that's it. <laughs> but yeah, he's kind of a uh. jerk. So um, <laughs> definitely one animal would be either one or none, honestly. But I, I got sidetracked. I got sidetracked by what you were talking about because uh, Rubber Power sent me a picture of my rack while y'all were talking. I was just oohing and on over the picture of my rack. Yay. Racks are great. As we talk about big eight foot cages, <laughs> granted, I'm putting I'm putting short stubby sand boas in them. I'm not putting uh, twelve foot pythons in them. 
I think that's what right, I want to do. <laughs> with uh when I get the popcorn python, I think I would want to make like a nice background and make it like a showy kind of a cage, you know? Oh, I'm going to make a pretty good cage for my brettles when she gets bigger. I want like a I want you walking into my snake room and it's probably going to be 4 foot tall, 2 foot deep and probably like 3 foot, 4 foot wide because she really likes to climb and perch. I didn't realize how much my uh, jungle diamond liked to perch. Mind you, yes, he has diamond in him, so I should have thought. But um, I moved him from a rack into the cage, and the cage has, like, I did the background and all that naturalistic background. It's all fancy and whatever, and gave him, you know, one of those Petco wood thingies. Um, And he sits up on there all the time, just perched and just with his head hanging, just ready for some food. So it's pretty cool that I went from a rack to the cage and then got to see that different behavior. So my jungle has a a sweater box in her four foot cage um, that has like cocoa bedding inside of it. So I can get it really humid in there and mm-hmm. she'll sit up on top of that sweater box and a lid of that. Uh, yeah, he'll do that too because he has a sweater box too. He has a lot in his in his little cage. My my Brettle's definitely like she perches because I I posted a while back the picture I made, but I made a PVC perch for her, and she sits up there on that. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and you can tell when she's hungry because she does. She puts her head straight down. Mm-hmm. And last night she ate. She took three fuzzy mice, no problem. She's like, and just right after one after the other. Um, she's a cool little sight, but I do want a cool uh, display type cage for her. Display. I dis- for the display and you say display display <laughs> display display I don't understand. <laughs> every I don't time you say it, it just display. like I'm just like what I don't hear it display I don't southerners like that vowel that heavier vowel it's very D- dis display. and I'm like yeah. I, yeah I don't I don't know whatever it's aggressive you're just well, being very aggressive look look California <laughs> shut up hey man you're being really aggressive man yeah like totally stop <gasps> please harsh and her mellow. <laughs> So for for the first time in the cage, I I actually had Chris put in uh, some light sockets. So I'm going to do halogen bulbs for heating, which I haven't done before. Those get hot, though, like super hot, don't they? Uh, you can control them, okay. and they have some pretty small wattage. So I should be able to set, like, I'll probably be looking at, like, 87, 88 hotspot during the day. Get and then hopefully I'll, I'll switch it over either to tape or a heat panel at night, just keeping, like, a reasonable ambient. Um, in that side of the enclosure. And you're going to be like a wire cage around the lights? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how I'm going (laughs) to attack that. Um, But yeah, I could definitely do that. That's not, you know, that's not hard. You can buy a cage on on Reptile Basics or something like that. I love heat panels. It wasn't until I started getting four-foot PVC cages. Well, the thing is that it doesn't, it, it heats in a different way. Yeah. Meaning that the, the halogen bulbs is supposed to be able to effectively penetrate the skin of the reptile and warm it in a way in which it would from the sun in comparison to say like heat tape or the radiant, radiant heat panel. That's just kind of like throwing warm air on them. And apparently, apparently that doesn't penetrate the skin and therefore it's like your snake is always seeking heat because See, I- it's not being, you know, properly. But that makes me wonder about snakes that are below the uh, the canopy that aren't getting direct sunlight, but they're getting heat from the jungle, and that's what they're heating up in. I don't know. 
I know that it's better than what I used to when I had wooden cages and I was using heat tape on the inside, not underneath the wood. Cause that's stupid. It's not going through the wood, but on the inside. And that was a nightmare, but that's before I knew about heat panels. And then when I found out about heat panels, I was like, Oh man, this is so much better than heat tape. <laughs> you know, heat tape belongs on our rack and that is it for me. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I know a lot of people will put it like on the side of tanks and stuff. I um, have heat tape on my cages, on your but PVC. they're PVC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not wood cages. So, yeah, I had three quarter inch wood. There was no passing heat through the wood, so <laughs> it would like start a fire if you tried. Yeah, yeah. So it was inside, but it was it was. Trust me, I, that was a completely different era of my reptile keeping. It is much better now. I have the ceramic heat emitters in my uh, two wooden cages with the the cage that Joe's talking about around the bulbs. I have yeah. that, and I like it. I funny story. I couldn't find those cages, and so I ordered them on. I think eBay had them, and I didn't realize they were coming from China. And then when I got the package, it did not look like it would hold a cage that would go around a bulb, like even if it was collapsed. And I opened it up, and it was two rubber bands from China. The hell. <laughs> <laughs> So I had then to delay the build on my cage. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why, why, why were there just two rubber bands from because China? Because I got scammed, buddy. I got scammed real bad. And they just gave me two rubber bands. I, why would you even Why, why would you even go through the Yeah. <laughs> who's sitting there exactly. going, you know what we're, we're gonna exactly. screw the rubber, rubber, rubber how did they settle on rubber bands like if they knew they were gonna screw people over and, and had, it almost looked like the kind from braces too like the tiny little clear ones that's what it looked like not even functional rubber bands. yeah they weren't i couldn't even what the heck <laughs> from china so i'm like what the uh but yeah i ended up getting them um i found them at a show it was actually really hard to find them i made uh, them i just make them i, I built a I actually built one really nice cage in my entire life and it wasn't even for me. So I asked me to build it. And so that's when I was like, all right, I've got to really do it. Uh, I built a cage. I, I bought a um, pretty thick gauge, like chicken wire, but not mm -hmm. you know, it's bigger. Than, and I cut it and hog ringed together and made a cage uh, for that stuff. I had, um, before I had my carpet in the cage, I had my trio of beak snakes in that cage and they're, thinner bodied and so i did have it the i keep saying cage so i feel like it's very confusing but the cage around the light bulb had bigger holes in it so i was really worried that the colubrids could get in there yeah so i ended up taking like a finer mesh of the wire and putting that inside and i just left it so a, a cage inside a cage basically yeah so that way they couldn't get in and burn themselves and die Die. Die. And die. That's, that reminds me. Okay. So, and this is going to really make fun of me for this, but the line from uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, you know, the, but the love fern part, you let it die. Is that like a symbol of their love? Is that why? Yeah. It was like, it was a love fern. It was her, it was, you, you're a girl. You had to have seen that movie. I have seen it, but I'm very bad at like. I need to brush up on my rom coms right now, apparently. <laughs> that, one, that one's actually pretty good. It's but, uh, really old, though. But when, whenever, I see, whenever I see a dead plant, like a potted plant, I just always think, you let it die. Because it's like over, <laughs> over exaggerating. It's hilarious. Anyways, that's my, my girly moment for the week. You just aged yourself, too. There's going to be some people listening to this. Actually, out, most people out, are more I've, I've, I've referenced Outbreak and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> From been, the 90s. You're so old. Gosh. So old. You know what? It's funny, though, because – you reach an age where you're like, yeah, the 90s don't seem that long ago. And then when you really think about what year it is, you're like, oh, shit, that was 20 years ago. 
Yeah, you know, I always gauge things off. Uh, I'm always like 10 years off now when yeah. I think of things. Because like, <laughs> you forget you're aging. Like You forget like yeah. the world is aging with you. Like, yeah, no, no, the 90s. That was 10 years ago. Like, no, the, it's, the it's, 80s have always been 20 years ago for me. Yeah. Yeah. Always, Never always, <laughs> forever. Oh, uh, getting old. So not only getting speaking old, of like everything that were in things that were in like small spaces. I don't know if you guys saw Travis posted a picture of his his kukri, like decided that instead of like going under you know the bioactive substrate, he just decided to go in the track of the glass and was just oh, pushing up against the glass there. That's crazy. I did not oh see wait, that. I did see. I did see that. All right, so look, I need to at least go over it. We skipped right past our, our weekly post, and I made the weekly post, so I want to go over it. Go over it. So there was the weekly – always, we always ask questions. What do – you know, what things do people see that week and they want us to talk about? Uh, Lance Kirkman said, how about an increase in Patreons popping up by reptile breeders? I have never had a Patreon, but Joe, I, you had one, or you have one, right? Please go join my Patreon. Uh, <laughs> 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 For only three dollars a month, uh, yes, I do have a Patreon. I don't see. What do you, what do you actively? Wow, both me, both me and James are like, how does that even happen? I want money. Come on. <laughs> do you give like extra? Like, what do you do to make it um, worth the money? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I make it worth it. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I. I give typically um it depends on what tier you're in, but everything from like oh, percentage of animal team. got it. Like percentage off, um Okay. You know, your next purchase, whether it whatever uh first on animals, you get first peak at available animals, that kind of different thing. Um I'm really not brushed up on it as you can tell. <laughs> so, I, I've got <laughs> it, but I know a lot of YouTubers do um like I can, I can bring it up if you're that interested. Extra videos that they do. It's almost like a like a I've secret membership kind of a thing. I've even had some people um, that I've seen, and this is a, a different – this was like weight loss, like YouTube channels. But they would do like coaching calls and stuff if you were a certain tier as well. I'm too poor and watch too many different YouTubers or too many, to choose which one. I mean, like, really, it's like if you really support what someone's doing, a couple bucks a month really isn't crazy. But I'm I'm trying to support what I'm doing, and, and I am now after this move. I had no words, James. I am now no after words. this move super poor. <laughs> so if anybody wants to send me money, uh, I don't have a Patreon, but I will take money. I just, I mean, like, I don't have a Patreon yet. But by the time you hear this episode, you can go too. <laughs> if you send me ten dollars, I'll start a Patreon. Oh man! I just I don't know. It's weird. I feel weird asking people for money. If you're giving them something, though, I guess. I guess. No, I I really never loved. I never loved the Patreon thing. I thought about. I thought about stopping it a couple times, but um, I don't know. It's it's a good way to get to get on the list for an animal, or like randomly, I'll send like thirty five percent off uh, new things that are coming out, and which is significant. I mean, you're pretty much, you know, some stuff you're getting at almost cost. So that makes sense. Like I I get that if it, if there's a if there's a discount for being a Patreon, I can get that. Yeah, so I try to make it worth it. You know, I try to make it so that people at least get, you know, some money back. Well, especially or you for get you. a free t-shirt or something like that. Well, that's good. Well, like with you who have supply, like it would be different if you're just a breeder because although I've got certain breeders I like, I'm not buying every animal from the same breeder. So like, 
great. There's a 35% off for your next animal purchase. Well, I already purchased an animal from you, but the next one I'm going to get from a different breeder because they've got something else. But you've got supplies. So you've got stuff that they may be buying on a regular basis. Yeah, there's also like like August 28th, I, I posted like there's there's two of these snakes that exist in the world who wants the other one. So I can like I could give away some unique snakes that don't even hit the public. So so that's what I, I try to like throw in things like that every once in a while to to make it worth it. That's cool. I get that. I don't know. I just I always see them on YouTube stuff and and I get I get the idea of some of these YouTubers because they don't that's their job is YouTube. So they've got to make money off YouTube and any other way way they can. The Patreon's a great way, but yeah. like the reptile breeders, I just. I don't know, but I, that makes sense. We say, like yeah, that. if you're I just get... breeding reptiles, that makes zero sense. Yeah, I mean, do it. and I've had some people, you know, I've, I've had people reach out to me. Hey, um, I'm looking to start a company. Um, would you be willing to give it to my GoFundMe or something? And it's like you're, you're <laughs> starting a that. company, it's like, no, not not a charity. So <laughs> do what I did, and you buy something. And then you breed it and then you sell it and then you take that money and then you buy something else, you breed it, you sell it, or you buy supplies, you flip it and get those, money back. See, those are the same money. people. The people messaging that are the same ones who contact reptile rescues trying to get animals to breed. Right. You know, instead of, you know, they'll, they'll take whatever. They're the ones that'll take whatever animal they get. You know, and always the ones like, oh, if no one takes that. I'll, I'll take it. We, we know why you want it. You want to breed it. There's, and you want to do it for cheap. That stuff drives me nuts. But that's a completely different soapbox. So anyways, the Patreon thing, uh, Lance posted that. And I was just, Who all has one? Do you all know off the top of your head? Joe has one. Besides Joe. <laughs> what are we, we doing call outs now? Who the fuck's got one? Huh? Who, who, who out there is asking for money, damn it? Because <laughs> I won't. Say? Support your local local reptile YouTuber and <laughs> your local yeah, reptile. YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized how dumb that sounded when it came out. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> moving on. I know. I literally uh, am blushing right now. <laughs> I'm so red. <laughs> local, but I don't have a local reptile YouTuber. <laughs> oh man, that was dumb. <laughs> uh, so. Ryan Goslow said China has removed pangolin scales from their list for traditional medicines. Ooh, it's 2020. I think it's about time. That's very exciting. A lot of endangered when I when I volunteered for the zoo, um, a lot of the reasons that things were endangered when I was doing their education program and stuff um, was because there were delicacies in you know random Asian countries, countries and places. Not necessarily only Asian. Um, a lot of times, Asian countries. A lot of time, it was. I mean, there's there's, there's a reason that that certain parts of Asia don't have any turtles left. You keep like on the, saying the, Asians so despairingly, it's making me uncomfortable, James. It makes Seriously, everybody. I think I'm offended. Everyone's offended by everything we've said today. It doesn't matter. You know, you know you, those any huge, word you say. The huge salamanders. The Japanese. Chinese, right? China, China, they're Chinese. No, yeah. no there's, but wow, there's two. James, you think they no, all like? Huh? No, there is a Chinese and a Japanese. Oh, the one I'm referring to is a Chinese. Please tell me one. the difference. One's in China, one's in Japan. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but there is a giant. There's a giant Japanese giant salamander, and 
really? Chinese. There is. So the Chinese ones specifically, you don't find huge in the wild anymore because they're right. a delicacy and they eat them. And so they don't grow to the big sizes because they like, harvest them. That's like the last thing I would ever want to put in my mouth. <laughs> Ooh, I want this giant slimy thing. This looks yeah, great. Yeah, they're, they're not oh, very attractive. Although, look, some, someone at one point opened an oyster and said, this looks like food. Well, it definitely wasn't me. I'm Nope. It's like someone coughed up a loogie and hit it inside of a shell. Yep, and that's I'm a very I'm, fair description. And somebody said, "Anybody said, look, anybody that likes oysters, that's fine. You can like them, but you have to admit, it doesn't look good. Like, it doesn't feel not. good either. That's what I've she had, said. I've eaten mussels before, and that's like snot too. But they put we put so much butter and garlic in it that it was just like garlicky snot. But you talk about the meat, the salamanders. <laughs> I mean, the largest buyer of red ear sliders are not Americans. It's, is it's, it for turtle soup? It is. I mean, they've got to replace. I mean, they've 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 eaten most of their turtles. I mean, a big chunk of endangered turtles are in parts of Asia where they've just decimated populations for eating them. Well, that's just sad. And so, turtle, turtle. <laughs> so that was good. That pangolins, who are like one of the most smuggled and endangered animals on Earth. We went so far off. Topic. We did. <laughs> pangolins have scales. Turtles oh, have scales. Man. But look, if, if, if you're out there thinking pangolin scales are going to cure you, just go ahead and eat your fingernails and your hair. It's the same thing. Same, same shit. Keratin. They're really sharp too, aren't they? I think so. I've never held a pangolin, but have you ever, I've seen like where they've confiscated <laughs> and they've opened up and there's, there'll be like 30 pangolins just shoved inside of a suitcase. I thought their little scales were sharp. That's it might be up. painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, Dominique DeFalco said Hilton Head in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina. South Carolina. I had to remember it's South Carolina uh, is changing its law on trapping rogue alligators, and this came under fire because the company that they contracted to trap these rogue or uh, uh, alligators, uh, they allowed people to take pictures with it before they killed it. Like they caught it, and then they used it as photo ops. And instead of catching it, taking it, and euthanizing it like you should if you're a professional, they let they taped up its mouth and let people take pictures on top of it, riding it, you know, mount like. So they made it. a mockery of it, basically. Yes, they disrespected it. Did you yes. expect anything, anything less than that? Honestly. Well, Hilton Head has officially said they are no longer doing alligator removal, and you will need to contact basically Fish and Wildlife or somebody. That's they're they're not going to do it anymore. Um, just based out of care. I mean, that's pretty good though. I mean, they said, look, we don't agree with what they did. We're stepping back from it. So, uh, and then this may be, uh, the best, uh, news headline of all time. Dominique DeFalco also posted this one. And here is the headline. Spanish porn star arrested for death from toad venom ritual. <laughs> best headline ever. So what does the fact that it's a porn star have to do with this? Because that's what he is. He's famous for being a, a Spanish porn star. Oh, it's a dude. Yes. It's a dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it, whoa, Joe got really excited about this dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it makes it that much funnier if it's a dude for some reason. But uh, it, apparently in this ritual, uh, they killed him with toad venom, which I would imagine is poison. Although in a second, we will talk about toad venom. So was he just trying to see Buddha or something? I, it was dehydrated toad venom is what they called it. And he killed the, the Spanish fashion photographer, Jose Luis Abad, 
uh, he inhaled it during a mystic ritual performed in July of 2019. Interesting. Mystic ritual with toad venom. But yeah, it's uh, here, here's the tweet. Spanish porn star Nacho Vidal. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Spanish porn star Nacho Vidal, who likes to advertise his aromatic candles shaped like male genitalia on Twitter, has been arrested on manslaughter charges. Following, I wonder if they look like death. his male genitalia. I don't know. During a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom. Nacho, Nacho. So anybody out there, uh, I'm not googling this, but Joe may uh, Google. Some videos from Nacho Vidal. You can watch. It's about the size of a pine snake egg. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> which thing? James is like, what are we talking about <laughs> right now? <laughs> oh God, that. But yeah, I saw that pop up, and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm not mentioning this article on the podcast. Yeah, it's got right up your alley. It's, it's got, got everything. It's got everything. I mean, it it <laughs> makes it a great story. Oh, man. So going along with it, Stephen Livingston posted. A an actual scientific article about frogs and toads, but it was the world's first venomous frog, which was really cool. Uh, it actually has uh, not so much teeth, but like little projections in the top of its mouth. And I've you've got to go find the article because this frog can only be venomous to make up for how stupid it looks. <laughs> I'm telling you, with the little mouths. No, 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 not there. This thing has like a duck bill. <laughs> I, uh, there's gotta be a way to share screen. Hold on. I'm gonna click the share screen. Host disabled. What? You're not oh, gonna let me share. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Anybody else must listening? must have a decent mouth to get some venom in the sun. Well, it's, it's got these projections in the top of its mouth that will scrape you and then the venom goes in. Uh, I made you the host, so I think you can share your screen. Oh, we can share the screen now? Here we go. So you gotta look at the face of this thing. It hasn't popped up yet. Oh. That's not the what? That's not the worst thing in the world. It's definitely not a normal thing. <laughs> it's it looks like a duck. I was gonna say it looks like a duck beak. I mean, this thing like you just think this thing when you think of a cartoon frog. If this was his face, I it's think it's really cute. It, it's gonna have a special voice when it talks. It's gonna be like it's it's not. Uh, I think it, it's super cute. So I'm gonna stop sharing. What's his little toes? Oh my goodness. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So the scientist discovered it on accident. He picked up the frog. The frog bit him. And then uh, for the next five hours, he had shooting pain up and out of his arm. Now, I read this, and they, they found since found another uh, venomous frog, uh, not actually not closely related to this one, so two unrelated venomous frogs. But reading it talks about how its venom was a whopping 25 times more deadly than a pit viper. But yet this guy didn't die. So I don't I – don't, I don't Maybe fully understand. it's like milliliter per milliliter in comparison. But Maybe. Because it was a tiny little amount. Maybe. That could be it. So, venomous frogs. That's that's going to be the next thing in 2020. Attacked by venomous frogs. Oh, my gosh. Right? 2020. The next thing to pop up. That would be it, honestly. <laughs> venomous duck frogs. So, I had seen... I had seen that Kristen Wiley of Kentucky Reptile Zoo. Um, she had commented on a picture. Now I can't find it, but it was someone who had a reaction to a water snake bite. Really? Yes. Yeah, so, so there are some people out there who believe that all snakes are venomous, and most 
I mean, really what we usually call like advanced saliva or something. I mean, that's just a fancy way of saying venomous, right? Yeah. Sure. So, so it seems as though that most people are on the train that you can have reactions to a lot of different species that we don't consider uh, venomous, at least in our hobby. And some people say it's anaphylaxis, but sometimes um, it just seems like some people react more. Um, But I I wish I had the post up because it was really interesting. Oh, we don't consider garter snakes venomous, but I mean, they've been shown to have some sort of venom. So, I mean... Garter snakes are so cute. So adorable until they musk all over you, which is what every single one of them will do. I did a study in college on their musk to see if we could figure out what the purpose of it was. The study was a hot mess and it wasn't done very well, but I, I had, I dealt with so much. We would like literally try to collect it from them, but then they would like move their tail and get us instead. It was really awful. Hell no. I would find any other study than having to deal with that or water snake (laughs) musk. Either one. We just, we had a, a, like a snake lab at my school because a psychology teacher really likes snakes. So she had a snake lab and she had a bunch of garter snakes. And so just kind of what we had to work with. Let's see. Here's the thing. I I get, I'm I'm a biology major. So I get it that like you do studies to make sure double check and but did you really have to study what the musk was for? I feel like we all could have just said it's a deterrent. Like, we know what it's for. It's, it smells like shit. Things won't eat it. That's, that's it. There's no other magic thought behind maybe, it. Maybe there was something else to it. And there was no there studies, that, no published studies done. But like I said, our study was a hot mess. So um, it, it was not structured very well. So there was no publishing for that thing. So the next article was by Matt Howe, which was a nose-horned dragon lizard lost to science for over 100 years has been found. Yeah, that thing looked awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really cool-looking lizard from, like, Sumatra, and it's got this big, long nose, like, this big horn on it, but it's a very long lizard. Like, it's, I don't know, it's... It's oddly shaped. It's imagine if you were to stretch out a green anole and then put a horn on its nose, and give that's it that's cool, and give it iguana spikes down its back. All right, I have to go onto our page and look at this now. There's some truly underrated. Even if you look at like the Here, Cuban sure. night anoles and stuff, okay. I love Cuban night anoles. I think those really underrated animals. Like I that. think Cuban night anoles should be in the hobby more often as a beginner lizard. I mean, I don't. I'm assuming they're easy to take care of just because they seem like they are. So there's the face on that thing. Well, let me show you. Anybody listening, go to our Facebook page, find the, the post from this past week, and you can find all these articles there. But uh, it's You know really- they did, like, photoshops of different animals and put different animal parts together? That's what that looks like. <laughs> that reminds me of, yeah. It totally looks like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they, they found this thing, like, 100, almost 130 years ago. There was a specimen sitting in a jar in a museum. And then, finally... Uh, a guy that was bird watching uh, found this called a herpetologist and they found out that this is actually the same lizard that they marked from 1891. That's really freaking cool. So That is awesome. And then let's see anything else. Oh, then I talked about reptile chill. They talked about uh, large constrictors and all the issues that come in with owning large constrictors. So there was that. Yep. Like having a tiger retic, they push. And push and push and mess up their faces so bad. Not that I would know from personal experience <laughs> or anything. 
And then uh, the one question I posted this week, because it was a crazy week for both me and April. April's driving back and forth to Arkansas. That's crazy for anybody. Yeah, I'm hotel living basically my whole life, except for four days a month. So yay me. So this question came from Darren Watson, who's one of our listeners. He said, how many reptile podcasts, basically I, I summed up what he said, but how many reptile podcasts do people listen to weekly and what are they? Because I have found it very hard, especially with quarantine going on and me not driving as much, to listen to many podcasts. Uh, so Darren, though, his list was like basically all of them. There was us. There's From the Ground Up, which if anybody doesn't realize is Joe. Uh, Unfiltered Reptile, which I haven't listened to. I like that one. Tom's Big Spiders. I don't listen to spiders. Moralia Python Radio, which if, you, if you're listening to this one, you know that that one is. I listen to that one, too. Checking In. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. Searchable it's is a Rep- bar check podcast. That'd be why I don't. Oh, that's right. Uh, Searchable is Reptile, which is Garrett Hartle and Tusco. And Brian. Tusco. Yep. Uh, the Herpticulture podcast, which is Jeff Nerds. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and then The Reptile Room, which is Andy and Riley. So I several of those are on my list, and, and I'd love to listen to them. I just don't have time. Dude, there's uh, two more. Uh, hold on. Let me get my well, phone here, so I can look at my podcast. Well, let me go through these. Maybe they'll pop up. Did you go uh, through the Canadian ones? Pretty good. That's true. Canadian that, that, the, the, the Canadian Herpetoculture Pod. That's with uh, Brandon. Oh, what is Brandon's last name? I know. I did a, uh, a Snakes and Stogies with him, too. Yes. Um, yeah, man, I, I forget his last name. Sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry, Brandon. I'm sure it may pop up on here. I don't know. Uh, Matt House said, uh, us, Morelia Radio. Uh, Morelia, I don't know if I listen to that. Unfiltered Snake Trap Sessions. I've never heard of that one. That's the one with... Um... Oops, sorry. Oh, yeah. That sorry, guy. I'm blanking on everyone's name today. Uh, rep- Reptile Talk. I don't know that one. The Reptile Room, I... That's I know that one. Boop, boop. GTP Radio, which is, I mean, they have episodes. Uh, From the ground up, and then Snakes and Stokies, which I guess, I guess the podcast. I don't know how you. Get, I don't know. It's always just a live video watching Justin smoke a turd all night. I don't. So Reptile Talk is with Rob and Jeremy of Nerd, and that's, oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, another one that I found recently. Um, they're on episode five at this point, and that's um, uh, the Reptile Room Confession podcast. And I really like that one. And that's with um, – there's four different people on it, and it's uh, Ryan from uh, Zilla. Is that what Ryan's company yes. is? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked that. about that one before. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Um, it's really good. I would so that's have to, Ryan I would, McVeigh and Bill Bradley and then their wives. Yes. Is it both of their wives? Okay, I wasn't sure if it yes. – it's sure a really that. it's a really good one and i apologize for completely butchering who runs that podcast but i really suggest it um because is, is ryan's wife is a vet do you know joe no she she runs a rescue i believe and they both kind of work in the rescue well they all work in the rescue together I, i'm not 100 sure what his wife does but i know she is definitely a part of the of a rescue i know one of them is a vet so you also have like the vet experience going in it. And then obviously they have tons and tons of experience in the reptile industry too. So it's, it's a really interesting one. Um, And MJ is who, who uh, puts on the snake trap one. Sorry, I forgot your name, MJ. And then Travis Wyman said, 
that he's able to stream you, your, yours, uh, Joe, through YouTube at work. Because I don't think he's allowed his phone at work, uh, which is one issue. He didn't have his phone. So he streams you during work, which takes him about a day or two to make it through your episodes. Uh, then he'll listen to NPR while doing Saturday full cleans. And on the weeks he makes rat runs, he'll listen to THP or us. And then while doing a Sunday cooking, he'll grab whatever he can. And usually uh, us or THP, whichever one he's behind on. Have you heard of Word on the Snake Vine? I have that one on my but I haven't listened to it. It's It's been out for a while. There's Strength in Leo's, Herpentime. I have all those on mine, yeah. Herptological Highlights. I have that on mine. Herptological Discussions. I just never get a chance to listen to them. Uh, there's also ConjoCast whenever, but I don't know if Justin's going to keep doing ConjoCast. That's Justin. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, there's the Boa, Boa Rack Radio. That's a new one. Gecko Nation Radio. Some of those, though, like, don't do it. They, they've... So if you search like Apple, if you search for Reptile Podcast, you'll find some. But the last episode they put out was six years ago. A long time ago. Mm. Yeah, that just showed up on my shows you might like, the ones that I just listed out. Because I'm not going to lie. It's it's hard. Joe knows it's hard to do a weekly podcast. I don't say hard. I mean, we we sit down and we talk for two hours. But you got to line it all up. It's especially when you're not in the same place. It's you got to line up people to talk to because no one was supposed to hear one person talk to themselves for – Two hours. Hour I mean, if, if you were to look at right now, my podcast app, which is just from um, Apple, I have like 33 episodes of one. I'm not going to say who because <laughs> they're my friend's podcast <laughs> that wow. I haven't listened to yet. Yeah, I have 13 of another, 14 of another, 23, 20. So I'm very, very, very behind in podcasts. But if the topic is, you know, a species that I'm into or, you know, something of interest for me, then I'll specifically, you know, go through and look, like glance at the title of all 23 episodes I've missed and then pick one that, you know. Man, April hasn't interest. listened to my podcast in 33 weeks. <laughs> oh, that actually man. wasn't yours. How rude. No, you were the 20-something week. <laughs> yours is 14, but I've caught some live ones, okay? <laughs> I've been I dead to April since <laughs> April. <laughs> no, last week, I think I was on live, wasn't I? Or the week before? <laughs> That's, I try to catch Joe's. So I try to catch yours live. I like to watch because I like to be in the chat. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, I like to be in the chat. Your your podcast <laughs> is different than everybody else because there's, there's that live chat. And that's that's fun. Uh, sometimes it's. Uh, Which is on Mondays or Tuesdays around Mon- 6 p.m. for Mondays or Tuesdays. Central Time. Mondays, Tuesdays. Sometimes this a Sunday. Friday, you know. <laughs> So just, you know, subscribe and, and you know, ring oh, that bell so you have notifications. Ring that bell. Ring my bell. Oh, it's thanks to the fat man. Uh, if, if cussing offends you, you're probably not listening to this one either. But uh, don't listen. Most things offend you. Uh, snakes and the fat man may not be for you. I enjoy <laughs> Snakes and the fat man, even though I don't like ball yeah, pythons. I but I enjoy listening to Chris because it's funny. I was like, who's what the What a Batman? statement. I don't like ball pythons. I don't like ball pythons. <laughs> I mean, I make that statement like once a week. Sorry, right. I don't that? like boas, so. Did you, you see know. that meme yeah, where role. it's like all the different groups, how to socially distance? Yes. Then the last one's ball python breeders and it has like hundreds of feet away. <laughs> oh, we also mentioned animals at home. That's another Canadian one. Yes. Uh, that's a pretty good one. So. 
But yeah, that was so a inter- once COVID is over, we can get back to actually being on top. There's just been such an explosion of podcasts that I yes. think it's actually almost impossible to listen to them all unless you have a job where you can be plugged in your whole shift. Yeah, you kind of have to look at what's going to be on that episode and pick the episodes that talk about. That's why, like when we have ours, I don't just put the person's I put the person's name for the for the overall title, but I make sure it could what kind of topics we talked about just in case one of them interests somebody. Because uh, it's just hard. It's it's a lot of information, which is a good thing. It's just it's hard to listen to. I, I have thought about. I do want to do an episode at some point, and I guess I'll tell you all this live on here. I want to do one with several different podcast people. You know how like uh, Morelia has their Popwin Carpet Python episode where they have a roundtable. I want to do one with several of the podcast people just to talk about basically this whole thing, this explosion of podcasts and information. Uh, and kind of what's going on. I, I wonder at some point if, I mean, I would like to think that there's always going to be enough information for us to talk about, but I wonder at some point if we're just going to be circling around the same stuff. Although I guess if new people keep coming into the hobby, it keeps on having to go back to, you know, Joe's podcast from three years ago and listen to all yeah, the I think I think Eric and Owen would be the first people to tell you that like, you know, there's always new people being refreshed all the time and therefore there's always new interviews with different points of view and like, yeah, you're going to like circle the wagon eventually, but I don't know if it matters because there's yeah. always a new crop every single year of people coming into it. I would like to do an episode with Owen and Eric and Andy and Riley and you and Jake and Justin and just kind of talk about what's going on because it, it, it's crazy because really three years ago, probably th- when did you start, Joe? Yeah, a little bit over three years ago. I so that's a, that's about when I started listening to podcasts because I think I accidentally found you on YouTube, and I started listening. I realized it was a podcast, and then I started listening to NPR, and then I think a year after that, Jake and Justin showed up. So, uh, it's 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 really been a short period of time where everybody's kind of jumped on these podcasts. Oh yeah, it's it's really blown up, and I think, and it can be just like YouTube as fact of. I think people get a little bit more, feel a little bit more personal about about their podcasts and new podcasts coming out. They're like, oh, there's so many podcasts now, but there's so many YouTube channels. There's so many different things. It's always good when new people get into it because they just they just draw more people to listen to podcasts, and then someone sees like the like April was looking at her app shows you may like and then they go to one of ours and you know i think it just builds our audience for people listening to podcasts every single time someone uh basically starts a new one well and and the interesting thing with so many podcasts now is when it was when it was you and npr and and some of the other like one or two that may not even still be around some of them you know it's again it's hard to keep it going uh y'all was a green tree one wasn't there well gtp keeper radio and that that shows up whenever they, they do it. Yeah, I haven't seen one in a really long time. Um, but everyone ends up interviewing kind of the same people. And that's kind of how it was. But what has happened with this explosion of podcasts is it's kind of forced people to start reaching out to more. You're not, inter- you're not just interviewing big breeders. You're starting to introduce smaller breeders and breeders of more rare things. Uh, and I think that's going to kind of grow the community. You're going to hear a lot more from people you never would have heard from, you know? And so I think that's one thing with all these podcasts is now to stay different. You've got to find these people that haven't been on every podcast. Yeah. They're becoming more and more niche and there's more and more people who are into niche things. So it's kind of, sir, it's niche. Just saying. 
Mitch. Niche. Niche, I know, and I think I think people really see that as like the ignorant American way to say it. So I don't care. Say care. it the other way. Niche, niche here in America, weird. you can say it either way. In case, you have the freedom. If anyone's got it twisted, you know? you're free to say niche however you want. Yep, but you can't say knee. Anybody? Anybody? Knee? The knights say knee. You once again, you are aging yourself. That time, that's like a '70s reference. Look. It's never aging yourself when it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Every every generation should watch that movie. That movie is good in the 70s as it is today. And if you don't believe that, you're wrong also. I feel like I muted myself in in the middle of a sentence I was saying. A reaction. Did were you, you talk? I don't know. Were you talking? Because if you were, we definitely didn't hear you. I guess I muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just having a whole conversation over there to yourself. Oops. Oh. So, anywho, so yeah, I went. That's that's went through everybody's things. I, I did make a post on there, asking folks for the questions they want us to ask. You know, because we ask questions each week from me in April, but I'm sure people listening have questions they'd like to know what other keepers are thinking or what they do here, what they think about this. Um, and that's one thing with all the podcasts and with social media that has allowed us to actually figure out what other people are doing, and we're not just trapped in our own little worlds in our own reptile room. I know uh, I'm so tunnel vision. It's my ignorance is ridiculous. It really is. I don't know how I'm able to talk with you guys for hours about reptiles when I'm so tunnel vision on my own. It's real bad. Well, that's what impresses me with like, that's what I love about NPR. Uh, I own, I own what one carpet and one brettles, but I've learned so much listening to them about scrubs and diamonds, things that I don't own, but it's cool to listen to them because that's not stuff I would have kept. It's not stuff I'm going to keep usually. I mean, although granted between them and Jake and Justin is one reason I got a Brettles Python. Uh, so I did fall into that trap of listening to a podcast and then buying a damn animal because of it. But, do it. but I do love that. Uh, that snake is awesome. So you were very I, excited for that snake for a very long time. I was, but it's just, it's, it's different than anything else I own. So it's What's the cool. last snake, April, that you picked up that was like that, that gave you that feeling where you wanted to keep on opening the bin? I don't know. I haven't bought a snake in a really long time. Uh, pro- honestly, my scaleless corn snake, I would say. Hmm. I know. <laughs> what, is, what is it with you and ball sack animals? I don't, I don't know. I don't like hair texture, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was scarred as a child, maybe. I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you? I wasn't going anywhere crazy like that. I don't know where you're going. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but that one, I mostly it's animals that I've waited years to get. Um, like with short tails, I kind of just jump into it and spend the money. But like with this one, I waited for a really, really long time. So not only is it scaleless, which I've wanted for years, but it's also oak tea, which I wanted for years. So put those together and I was super excited for it. And then my non-scaleless one is missing. It's been a month now and I can't find it still. Was it a hat or just straight up oak tea? It was a hat. Um, they're, they're related. I think they have the same dad. I believe that would make sense. Um, yeah, they have the same dad um, and different moms. So I have pictures of all the, the lineage and stuff from them, which Ooh. is cool too. Yeah, I know. I got fancy. What's the last thing like, you got, Joe, that like super excited about? Come here. Oh, sorry. 
Definitely these gargoyle geckos. Really? Yeah. They're so cool with the stripes. I actually just recently sold my the one that I had. Um, but I had What'd a striped one. I had a striped one. Uh, I don't know like what their fancy names are, but the bacon one bacon. I had. Yeah. Bacon. Bacon one. Yeah, I really like I have one of those, like a high red bacon line. And then... <laughs> Is that what they're really called? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bacon line. That's so funny. Yeah. And uh but but I have like these yellow and brown ones that I really, really enjoy. That's cool too. Um and then it, it's stupid, you know. I'm I'm doing that that weird thing that we all like to do. Like you take like something that's not as favorable, but we like it for some weird reason, probably just because it's not the most obvious. Like sure. I like I like the yellow tones just because nobody's nobody works with that as much. As far as like everyone's looking for a high red, mm-hmm. so it's like a very a very uh, beaten down path to go. Um, even some oranges. I really like the oranges and the orange super blotches and stuff like that. But but these yellows is something that not a lot of people work with. So I've been really enjoying them. I'm just going to say, we don't have to discuss it anymore past this, but I think it's funny you got stuff with legs. I mean, I got to – I really – I want to get a Cyclora eventually. Um, what, why do I know that? What's That's a uh, – Iguana? Right? Yeah, yeah, rock iguana. Rock iguana? Yeah. Those are cool. Um, who was it? If you watch Camp Kennan, he visited a friend who used to be a, a skateboarder, and he had some cyclora also. Uh, they're cool iguanas. Yeah, uh, I mean, I used to I used to work at a rescue in Colorado for a tiny bit, and they just had like a Cuban rock, the nubulus, just walking around just like a house pet what's what's crazy is how many iguana species there are that are so much better than greens but greens were the ones that got into the pet trade well belize seems like a favorable spot um for other things yeah and and also i think it's just the plentiful you know they're super plentiful a lot of the the tinosaurs and a lot of the the tinosaura and the cyclora are very rare and uh, especially in like in Hispaniola and Haiti over there, they, they eat them. And then they also have some cat problems, which reduce their numbers as well as, as well as stray dogs. So their numbers are pretty reduced. I think greens are just super plentiful. Yeah. I, I, I can't think I can't probably can't, but greens are such a horrible pet. Like, I know there's people out there going, I had one that is sweet and lovely. I'm like, that's great. What about the other 10 that were fucking nightmares? Just, but you, you see a lot more people like rock iguanas that seem to be a little calmer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they seem to have a level of intelligence that surpasses the, the green iguana. The green iguana can be rather reactive, right? With those tail whips and they're always scratching you and it's kind of a pain. Um, obviously, the cyclor is always going to be scratching you and stuff like that, but they can't really help that. But it doesn't seem like they're as uh, as reactive. It depends, though, because I've definitely seen some really, really skittish ones, too. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I think you really just got to work with them. It's kind of uh, – that's the tricky thing, right, with those. Once you start getting intelligent, like your water monitors, it's like either you work with them or they're too smart to be comfortable around you. Well, it's April and I've talked about before. We know, we know ourselves as keepers. And rest of myself, I can't do a monitor because I know a monitor is that smart. 
and I know how much time it needs to have spent with it. And I just know that I won't be able to do it. But as much as I put it in my head, I'm like, God, it would be so awesome to have just this four or five foot long monitor that sits there like a puppy dog that you can just pet and hang out with. But yeah, it's yeah, not I mean, <laughs> that's, that's everyone's dream, right? Is to have basically a dog, but it's a reptile. Yeah. And <laughs> it's not a very easy thing or even possible in most cases, I would say. It probably takes a pretty special animal. Well, and it just takes so much time. Right. And, and, I've, you know, and there's everything I've seen with like even Kevin McCurley and all that, you can't force a monitor to like you or behave. There's no any, you have to do what it wants when it wants and build trust. And I think a lot of people that does, it doesn't work that way. Like, if you're the animal, do what I tell you to do. And uh, it just doesn't work that way with those guys. They're too smart. Yeah. Animals end up training you, don't they? Even your dog, even your yeah. dog, when it goes to the door, you let it out. Uh, at the end of the day, most of the times they're training you. Uh, oh, I don't know why how I jumped to this, but we talked about the move earlier. One cool thing about this house is the amount of reptile life for, around this house, or just in, like herps in general. I have found there was a, it was, I think it was a female, but it was a broadhead skink that was probably all of eight, nine inches on the side of my house the other day. It was just huge. Uh, I found two holes that have been dug up by, I'm assuming raccoon or possum uh but they're turtle egg holes in my yard so obviously turtles and my neighbors have said oh yeah turtles are all over the place but they're laying eggs in my yard so in like a month or two i'm gonna have baby turtles roaming around here that's cool so i have like nothing in my yard except for bugs every night i go out there's giant toads in the yard uh it's, there was a green tree frog. I watched a Mediterranean gecko eat a huge damselfly. Well, I didn't watch him eat it. I saw the huge damselfly earlier. Then I come back out, and all I see is the wings of the huge damselfly sticking out of this Mediterranean gecko's mouth. Uh, so it's just it's been really cool. That's all the stuff here. Uh, it's I love it. I love like just going out and watching the Mediterranean geckos eat bugs off the lights. So like I'll leave the lights on at night just to bring in the bugs. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Um, I had one, I swear, it was so dark, it was up in the corner, it looked like a little tiny toke gecko. Uh, it's such a it's such a foreign looking gecko too. They're so cool. And they're all and I mean, well, they are. But yeah. and and they they go from pale, you've seen them like in super pale white down to almost like black, like dark, dark like the one I saw the other night, and anywhere in between. But yeah, that's one thing I've enjoyed about moving here is there's wildlife here, and I can't wait till baby turtles start hatching in my yard. I That'd found be really cool, a red back salamander. A what? A what? A red back salamander in my backyard. That's all that, I got. That sounds cool, though. I have birds and worms. That's all I got. <laughs> birds, and, birds and worms. <laughs> That's all I got. I, I legitimately have not seen like any lizards. I haven't seen anything in my yard. I'm in af- California, I did though, but not here. I'm afraid how my daughter will feel about our dog. After she finds our dog with a baby turtle in its mouth. Because I know it's coming. Oh, I know. I I know it's coming. And the moment she sees this dog kill the baby turtle, it's not going to go well. Uh, But yeah, like I said, I found like an eggshell, something has gotten some of the eggs, but it doesn't look like it got all the eggs that could be down there. And I'm not going to dig in there. I'm just going to leave it. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what what hatches and pops up in my yard. Yeah, that'll be really cool. And my tortoise yard is almost done. We, we've gotten the fence pretty good. So I'm, I'm about to move my tortoises to the new house. I was going to say, are they still at the old house at this point? They are currently the only animals left at the old house. 
Okay. Uh, because we gotta get, I got to get the tortoise yard done. I got to get some dirt to fill in some holes to flatten it out. And then I've got to get a couple of guys to help me move their barn because their barn is eight foot long, five foot deep from front to back and like four foot tall. It's huge. Um, so we got to move that. And the moment I move the barn, I have to move the tortoises because in their current cage, the barn is acts as one of the walls. Uh, but in the new one, it will actually just get set inside the fence. And their their new yard is like 40 foot by 50 foot or something like that. Dude, they're going to be so happy. It's massive. And it's got a giant clump of uh, clovers that grows in there. And they love clovers. And it's got a, a tree that gives them shade so they can hang out. It's Yeah, this house is going to be awesome. I'm super excited. I was going to be like, does it have fruit too so they can eat fruit? <laughs> I, I, actually, I've talked to my wife. We are probably going to buy like a satsuma tree. Like they, they don't eat citrus, but we want to buy a satsuma tree. Um, what else? There's some other, we're going to grow like blueberries and blackberries. Yeah, we have plans to like grow a bunch of fruit too, just because we have the space. That'd be awesome. It. And then you can make jam and bring it to me. Yes. Yeah, my backyard's like 180 feet, 190 feet long. It's huge. It's a massive backyard. Which so, is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> now I just need to get my plant, my cactuses in the ground and get my cactuses to grow really big. Uh, but the problem is I got to hide them from my dog because my damn dog keeps eating my cactus. <laughs> oh, so. my roommate's dog used to eat all my grasses that I had. Any decorative grass that I had outside that eat. There's just bites, just chunks taken out because it's spineless uh, cactus. <laughs> yeah. Chunks taken out of it from my dog. Oh, like, it's so funny. Is that a species that the tortoise eats? Yeah, it would if I could grow it and keep my dog from eating it. Because that was the plan. I had someone, uh, a friend, send me some because I need some spineless cactus. They sent me a whole box full of it. And I've got it growing in certain places, but I tried growing some of it outside of the pen in a tub. And, of course, that's where my dog can get to. And she just started eating it. This is the same dog today that while we were cutting the four-by-four fence post for the tortoise yard, a chunk of it got thrown off to the side. And she sits there chewing on a giant chunk of four-by-four wood. That's what she did for like half a day, just chewing on wood in the yard. Though the wonders of having a puppy. So. Yeah, I don't miss that. <laughs> At least she's a really cute puppy, though. She is. She looks is. like she has little eyebrows, little blonde eyebrows. It's so cute. Damn. I don't know. I'm telling you, the moment she has a turtle in her mouth, everything's going to change in this house. So, anyways, that was my last thing. I, I was super excited that I'm going to have baby turtles in my yard at some point. Yay. I did a happy dance for you. You didn't see it, but I did it. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, next week we should be back on schedule. I was talking to April earlier. Our schedule is going to be a little weird because I've, I've got plans. But uh, next week. We life? Sh- what? I, I know. We <laughs> should be on schedule next week. i got to figure out who it's going to be. But we'll have somebody next week. And then the week after that, we may push it back. We may not release till Monday after, but we will have an episode. I'll pull a Joe and just be like, yeah, we release on the name all seven days of the week. We do what we want. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's free and I don't have a Patreon, so you can get over it. <laughs> but if you don't send me money, feel free to send me money. I'm just Ten saying. bucks and he'll start one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start. I mean, SoundCloud ain't free. I'm just saying. Oh. Oh, man. Too funny. All right. So, <laughs> either one of y'all have anything y'all want to add? Nope. Joe? Oh, I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so I know no, the way no. you did it. No, I don't think so. He's like, <laughs> it's like, like Joe sat there and thought, 
No, I, I think I covered everything I wanted. I was like, you know, is there anything really exciting that no one knows about? I don't think so. Oh. You know, there's a bunch of eggs going on. I see you just got sitting around with a bunch of eggs right now, right? Uh, in two weeks, I should start. Actually, probably more like three. They should start hatching. Mine. I'm probably about the same time, time frame. I always take more than 60 days, so, so I incubate them a little bit lower temperature. I've got two more Samboas that I'm waiting to go. One is head annery and one Baby's is Babies out of your ears, dude. I, well, that's how I got the show this weekend. The good thing is, so I'm going to the show and I've got a buddy I can always wholesale to. I don't really want to wholesale because then, I mean, I want to make more money. But if I have to clear up space, I've got a friend who owns a reptile store uh, and does all these shows. And I don't feel bad wholesaling to him. He also breeds Samboas. And so that, that's probably the one person if I'm going to wholesale somebody. It's going to be him. Uh, so I can clear up space if need be, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to buy at least another rack or two. Uh, if I plan on having four litters of Samboas every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause they're giving me, I wasn't expecting like mid twenties on every litter. So I think next year I'll have to buy some more. Yeah. I, I think, think I might be good on the incubator space. I think I'm finally at the point where, um, I don't get that anxious over the first even the first clutch hatching because I can be like uh, chilling your eggs for a little while. <laughs> uh, it seems like a lot of work. Right. Up. All the work starts when you start hatching. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great, but it is so much. And then when you start having to get babies started while others are hatching, it's like, uh, whew, it's going to be a long one. Well, and then you think about how many pinkies you really have to have on hand to feed everybody. When and, you're going through, yeah, you can go through 400 pinkies a week. It's, yeah, I mean, thankfully, and those I just have to give my guy 24 hours notice. Oh, you have a guy. That's how special you are because you're bougie. You have a guy. I mean, it's just he's local, so I just have to give him 24 hours problem, notice so he can freeze them. See, my problem is anybody local to me that sells charges out the ass, and I'd love to support someone local, but damn. I can't afford Mine them. are always like, you know, since they need to be right out of the mother or whatever, they're, they're always inconsistent <laughs> if I get them locally. I, I may pick out some this weekend. There is a rodent person that does the herp shows who actually has prices that are fairly comparable to online prices. Because normally you go to a reptile show, they're like two to three times more than what you can pay for online. I would think they'd be less. I, I, okay, I haven't no. bought Re- any. No, see, so. Reptic- Repticon, though, is the worst because they only use feeder source. And feeder source bends you over and makes you take it the way they want to give it to you with no lube no lube it's painful that's the problem with i'm gonna i'm trying not to bash shows but sure (laughs) i'm gonna bash it fuck repticon so they are they only allow feeder source there so you don't have any other feeders there at all so it's a monopoly on the whole frozen rodent section uh thing that's how you know you're getting the best prices fuck that so but when you go to like the herp shows there'll be two or three of them there and uh, one of them, though, he has really great prices. So I'll probably pick up some pinkies now that I've got a, a whole other 23 babies I got to feed. But I was lucky. I fed uh, the fourth meal to my current litter that I'm planning on taking this weekend. I fed them their fourth meal last night. And out of 23, no, 25, 23 of them ate. Um, and I think 19 of them have eaten all four times. So Mine don't do that. I know Joe's dumb I and mean, corn snakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, ugh. How often do you have you had? How often do you have an entire clutch eat the first time, Joe? Ever? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, that wasn't a very convincing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not very often. I think it's 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 just naturally a snake that is meant for you know a certain amount of them not to thrive. To be honest, yeah. they're they're having thirty eggs for a reason. What's your yeah, biggest, and, what's that's, your and that's very high end um, in the wild. You probably wouldn't see that. Yeah. I think mostly in the wild, you're looking at twelve to eighteen. That would be a really nice clutch. Um, in captivity, though, people can get thirty five and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, they come out super small, and uh, yeah, a certain amount of them aren't going to make it, unfortunately. Um, but you know, there's probably like ten percent that I end up having to go to different methods to get going. Otherwise, you know, 90% of them get going, whether it takes a little time or, you know, a little convincing. I only have one out of the first litter that has not eaten at all. And he will either get his shit together or not. Those are his options. Um, but I had one la- or two years ago when I had my last sample of litters. I had one that I had forever and I ended up selling to a friend because it, it didn't eat till way down the road. And then it started eating regular and it was fine. Um, some of them just take forever to, to get to eating. They, you know, they don't really lose any body weight, and they don't start to look sick. They just, for some reason, are able to go the extra month and a half without eating for everybody else. I know a short-tailed breeder that doesn't feed their babies until two months after they're born. We, we talked to Travis about rubber boas, where like people will have the rubber boas, they're born, and then they put them straight into brumation. And then months later, yeah. when they come out of brumation, they feed them. Well, that's that's an old colubrid trick too to get babies to feed. Is some people put them down in brumation and then and then bring them back up. That's so weird. I mean, I get it in nature. You make sense in nature. It's what's happening, but it doesn't keep you from being weird. Yeah, it makes you a little nervous to put down a baby who hasn't eaten. You know, especially when they're so small. You're like, does it really have enough body mass to make it through? It would make me nervous for sure. But the thing about it, they're not burning any body mass when you put them down, really. Right, theoretically. So, but yeah. It's I, like it happens in nature and yet it makes us nervous doing it. In every, every, artificial what? room. <laughs> that was like talking about uh, Brettles with, um, oh, why can't I not think of his name? Uh, y'all know who I'm talking about. He was at Carpet Fest. There was a lot of people at Carpet Fest. He, but he breeds Brettles. You know who I'm talking Oh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. I think he's in Georgia. Is it Georgia? Oh, oh, Casey Cannon. Yeah, Casey Cannon. Uh, putting um, putting them on like in a cooler on his porch or whatever. The first time, like dropping them down to like freezing temperature, like that's horrifying. Yeah, but they're just they're fine, fine guys. And those guys are just fine. Like Brettles, like you hear you hear like uh, uh, Eric talk about with like his diamonds dropping them, and they're just like cruising around like nothing's. Like, it's it's weird. Nature is weird <laughs> and it does, savage. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit our cookie cutter way of keeping things. Yeah, and then even if we do try to replicate what's going on outside, we always fall short as well. So, well, because we can't account for. We don't know everything. There's we, every factor. Yeah, there's so many factors. So many times when we set up a reptile, it's a snapshot of that area. It's not a true representation of what's going on in that area. It's what's going on the day they were there when they measured everything and saw where that animal was sitting. And that's well, how to keep that animal. Also, let's be honest. A lot of times it's my rack runs at 88 degrees. So all these snakes fit into it. All these don't like, it's not even to that level. I don't even think most people are doing that. You know, yeah. 
it's most of you just throw it in your rack and I do the same thing. I do the same. I mean, I've got, I've got four small racks. Three of them are straight up Samboas. They're all at 95 degrees. And then anything that's not Samboa that's small is in the other one at like 85 degrees, which is like my rosy boas, my corn snakes. Uh, yeah, I've got some boas in there, small boas that I'm growing up. Yeah. If the animal doesn't fit into my, the way I have my room set up, then I'm not going to have the animal period. So anything that's cold, not going to work, which sucks because there's some um, Asian colubrids that I think are really neat. Like, is it, I'm going to say this wrong. Is it coxie? Is that how you say it? Coxi. <laughs> coxi. <laughs> Those are really cool. Don't be shy. And I, <laughs> I, think I think they're really awesome, but I wouldn't be able to keep them. Even if I put them like in my living room, see, then I have my cats that are going to attack it or try to knock it down or do something. So it's just not going to work, but I love them but I'll never ever keep them, which is but see, sad. But, but see, that's also what I think is that's smart. You know, you know, the boundaries. You're not going to try and force that animal to live within the parameters of what you keep. Yeah. Whereas so many people go to a show and they see something pretty on a table imported or not imported, but a lot of times imported, they're cheaper and, and they go, oh, I want this thing at home. And they go, all right, I'm going to keep it the same way. I keep my ball Python. But that's not a ball Python. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, so I'm not gonna say I'm not guilty of it in the past. I know I've been like, no, you're going to stay the same way everybody else stays, but I've gotten better at time. Like, all right. You know, it used to be, I had 88, you just said everything to 88. It's fine. But now I'm like, well, no, something's like it a lot cooler. And that's why I worried about my old room when it was hitting 85. I was like, Ooh, damn, everybody in here is at 85 and they don't all want to be 85 all the time. Yeah. And you'll see like when my room gets up to a certain ambient, you see some people, uh, some people, some snakes start <laughs> cruising around and then you're like, yeah, this is clearly uncomfortable for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. When it gets to the, the peak of summer in Tennessee, my room gets up to 82, maybe sometimes 83 or 84. Those would be like the hottest days of the year. Um, but I have my tiny little micro geckos. Uh, those guys, I have to move into my living room because they'll just absolutely be completely uncomfortable and not okay and stressed out. They'll 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 live, but maybe not flourish. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I move them, but that's that's basically the most that I really do, honestly. Yeah, I guess it really, really ideally. I mean, I would love to give a temperature variant to to everything, um, gradient rather, and. I don't know. It's it's weird because it seems like in racks, our animals just stay on the heat tape 24-7. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens in a cage and if it's different and if they actually use the gradient correctly. I think well, they will. I think you'll see that happening a lot more. That's one thing I like well, about Because like, you'll notice it. Well, one thing I like about having a bunch of bedding in like my Sambo cages is, yeah, when I open it, a lot of times I'm just sitting on the heat. But when I come in and I realize that bedding has been pushed here, pushed there, I'm like, okay, no, they're, they're moving around. I'm just not seeing it, but it, they are, they are cruising at some point, but you miss, you do miss it a lot, especially because with the cage, mm -hmm. it's very easy to just poke ahead and go, Oh, okay. And then leave. But you're, you interrupt something. You interrupt all your snakes when you have to open a tub and you miss a lot by not seeing it. But with that said, I'm still going to have racks. And I've seen just from, I have, you know, a certain amount of animals in cages right now. And especially my Slowinski eye, they look at me every time I enter the room. Yeah, it seems like the animals that are getting that are getting more exposure are just 
becoming more interactive and just more attentive, which I think is interesting. Cassachi coins. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, whatever you want to say. <laughs> you do you. I'll do I, you. I'm offended by how you say scientific names. Well, if you're offended, man, I must like have you rolling over. <laughs> I am so bad. I could even practice a scientific name, and then I come on here to say it, and I just butcher the crap out of it. It's like, man, this is just so embarrassing for myself. It's what happens when we use a, a dead language. Hey, let's use this dead language for naming everything, which is important. I know the reason for it, but then we use it, and then we try and say it. I'm like. And then we could very well be saying it the wrong way, which I think is even often the case. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then it, stick, it sticks the way that we said it, and we're like, but that's, that's how we've always said it. That's got to be it. And then someone goes, well, that's not how it's pronounced. Well, it's how it's pronounced now. We've now changed the dead language. So. All right. We have gone longer than April likes to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. She's too... She fusses at our podcast is too long. Like, but yeah, I, but I the reason just, I say that is because people have so many to listen to. But I only get to talk reptiles it. once a week. I know. That's so what I'm just I tried you go. to. I tried to make the show one hour. How'd that show. go for you? It's not possible. And it's not happening. Yeah. Like I did one that was like an hour and a half, and now I feel bad because Laura is the shortest one. But it was because I was trying to keep it to an hour, and then I failed, and then I failed again, and I failed again. That was the, the original <laughs> plan for this show. Was like we'll do an hour long show. Yep. Yeah. It's just not possible. James just really likes to talk, and I think I he has no friends. And so when he gets to talk reptiles, he gets really excited. I have friends that just all live in different states. I can reassure you, I don't have a lot of friends. I don't either. I really don't. It's okay. <laughs> I, I thought I was talking to him, but <laughs> look, the, the bulk of the people I have on this podcast are my friends. I know. <laughs> Half of my friends are on this podcast right now. <laughs> 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 oh man now that we've realized how sad our lives are that's all right i've accepted it a long time ago <laughs> i mean I've, I've had three months to think about it you know? it's all good all good it's three months and in those three months you're like all right who am i actually talked to in those three months those are my friends okay done i'm not mad about it i'm content yeah, because it's weird because usually you at least have your, your different groups of reptile friends. Like I always had people that I saw at the shows. You have people that you podcast with. You have people that are just kind of local snake people. And yeah, most of that is uh, not happening anymore in the places mm-hmm. where we gather. So That's why I cannot wait for this weekend. Although we have to, ha- we have to have, and granted, this is a reptile show, so everyone has it. But you have to have hand sanitizer on your table, which is a funny thing because th- we all do that. Um, that's one rule that we have to have. Uh, they want us. We have to wear badges. We don't normally wear badges at the herb shows. We have to wear that. Um, they want us to stay behind the tables as much as possible, which makes sense. Um, but there's like a whole list of rules that we have to follow, which are needed. I mean, it's far better than them not letting us have this show, which has been just murder on me. Uh, so I'm just ready to get there, and I don't even like. I don't even care about seeing other reptiles. That's not even. That's not even a thought in my mind right now. Like. I just want to hang out with other people and talk reptiles because this one hour a week is nice, but shows are a lot more fun. I, I need one like- of those. A lot of times I need like a refresher. One of those shows that goes really well and you're like, uh, this yes. is why I love doing this. Right. I, I'm really hoping thinking this is like the, this is really the first big show since all this has happened. 
Um, so I'm thinking this, it's going to go really well. Everybody's been stuck at home. They've been wanting to buy stuff for months and they haven't been able to. Here they, I'm hoping here they come. And if you're listening, come buy a Samboa, please. I got, I got a, I got a, <laughs> so, so desperate. <laughs> I, look, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay Robert for that rack that he's building. And so y'all need to come by and buy a handful of Samboa. So Robert can get his money for that rack. That he's In building. The <laughs> for only 10 cents a day, you can sponsor a reptile breeder. <laughs> oh, I was about to mute myself because I was laughing way too freaking hard at that. <laughs> Oh, man. Sponsor your local, right. you, your local reptile <laughs> or YouTuber. Oh, you and Joe are just hurt. I'm smiling so hard. Eyes watering. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Anyway, Joe, where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? And what can they get from you? Patreon.com slash <laughs> um, Port City Pet on Instagram, Facebook, PortCityPet.com from the Ground Up podcast. I have episodes with both James and April separately. So maybe we'll have to do them together eventually. Ooh. Okay. Sounds like a date. And if, and if you have anything, if you like bioactive or anything, Joe has it. Go yep, there. That's true. I he has it. Bioactive substrate, stuff like that. So I'd, I'm hoping to sell some of my isopods this week to just pay for the fact that spring I... Springtails in your eggs. Yeah. You, everyone, <laughs> go out and put springtails in your eggs. And if it fails, blame Garrett Hartle, apparently. So let's go with that. <laughs> you can, that's you that's know, what I heard. Point other oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, I, it's all Garrett oh Hartle's fault if the springtails destroy your eggs. Garrett, if you're listening, I'm not a part of that. Garrett is not listening to this. I can almost... <laughs> To you, I know. Garrett Hartle has no <laughs> idea this is going on oh, so whatsoever. Uh, all right, James, where can they find you? No, you no, should, no, no. You should You're title just... this, title this um, Super Dwarf Retic Market <laughs> Explained, and then oh, see if we can so attract funny. or see if we can bait them in. <laughs> oh, God. All right, James, I'll go because I know that's what you're about to say. You can find me at Designer Exotics on Instagram, on YouTube, and on Facebook. Yay! That's all I got. You can uh, can find me at Simply Serpents on Facebook, Simply underscore Serpents on Instagram. Uh, You can find us at The Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or The Reptile Gumbo Podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us any messages if you have any questions, if you things you want us to talk about, uh, let us know. I'll make a post again each week about that. You can comment on there let us know what you saw that you thought was really, really interesting uh come by this weekend see me and conroe buy a baby sambo seriously come buy a baby sam you need one everyone needs one don't listen to april boas are awesome what's your only fans what only fans oh no no i saw you, I, you should I, get one of those no I, I only know what that is because i think robert mentioned it on Lance's I was so comments. confused. That's why I was dead silent. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" See, James and I are too old for that. Yeah, yeah. We we're not a part of that. We're not in the hip crowd doing the well, things you do. <laughs> yeah, you can Google it. Yes, <laughs> Joe. What is your only fans? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Depends how tough times get. You know, 
You it can, can happen. It could happen to any one of us. You, know? you can see Joe stripped down in his hot corn steak room. Just I'm only I'm just... only <laughs> I'm like two bad weeks away from selling butthole <laughs> pictures. Oh know? wow! Oh my Whoa. goodness! <laughs> I think you could probably get people to pay for you to not send them pictures. Of that. <laughs> yeah, send, it's like give me Patreon ransom. money, or I'll send you butthole pictures. <laughs> and on that note, guys. <laughs> Yeah, can we cut the last part of the podcast? Hell oh, no. That's man. <laughs> but hope if you stayed now, listen. Hey, man, it's been a long quarantine, you know. Desperate There's time a lot of internet. calls for desperate I'm gonna, measures. I'm gonna pull an a old... lot of internet. I've seen some things <laughs> in seen my day. <laughs> I've been to the depths of the Al Gore's interwebs. <laughs> oh, my god. I'm going to pull a Joe. And if you made it this far, you're on the team. Yeah, you're a disgusting human for being able to sit through all this. <laughs> <laughs> respect uh, you don't want to be on this team i promise <laughs> oh find someone God. else join your own team all right that is it thank y'all thank you joe it's been 20 episodes hopefully we'll have you on episode 40 if we get there was well, every 20 episodes we're gonna bring joe back just to That's remind ourselves we'll make we'll make that happen so all right. Thank y'all. Thank you, April. If you muted yourself, I don't know. You could be having a conversation with yourself right now. Nope. I'm still here. Oh, there we go. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye, guys. Later. Later.